Robot building supplies helping you get the right products for the job at a better price. Happy New Year from Neil Phillips and his team at Berwick BMW. Your new BMW awaits. The run home. Uh, welcome to this Friday afternoon edition of The Run Home. Josh Jenkins and Adam Cooney in the house. Well, I'm in the house. Adam's at home, but uh, he's in the caravan. We won't talk about it. He's brushing his hair with a pink brush. My goodness gracious <laughs> uh, me. Uh, I'll, I'll welcome you in because you look like... You look a little flustered. Have you been out in the sunshine? You haven't been mowing the lawns, have you, Adam? Been out doing some jobs. Mm, you... And I'm, I am... Uh, if you got the SBF. Driving, I'm driving you home from home today. <laughs> Friday. CBF Fridays. Can't <laughs> believe it's Friday already. This week has just flown by. And as we said earlier in the week, doesn't it just fly when you're having fun? And we've had some good times this week, you and I, JJ. And they are going to roll on into Friday because we've got a new producer today. Mm. Finally, we've got one that knows what they're doing. And we've got a bumper show coming up. Have we? I don't know. What are, That's what you said before. So we've got a few guests, don't we? We do. We do. We've got a huge show, as always. Uh, we've been able to uh, just upgrade uh, behind the glass. The Sizzlers promised a, a really nice Friday sizzle, so we'd expect nothing less from uh, A-Rod. There it is. Listen, have a listen. Um, and our man Sammy's taken over from Willem. Willem did a, you know, did a sort of... Moderate to good job, but uh, Sammy's mm. going to come in and absolutely raise. Yeah, five out of ten. The bar, gee, uh, I would have given him a six. Uh, Darren Chuck Berry will join us uh, today. He'll join us uh, after three thirty. We'll talk some BBL, some international cricket. We'll ask him whether he's happy with the Test squad that we are sending to India. Uh, hopefully, our man Adam Peacock will join us at some stage. He's Peacock. A, he's a TBC at the moment, but I just get the feeling I sense uh, Adam that. Based on how he's warming to our work, that he'll most definitely find a little window to come on and, and, and speak <laughs> yeah. with us, particularly on the back of last night's game between Kokonakis and Andy Murray. And I know it's been spoken about at nauseum, but uh, I'm keen to. I've got one uh, phrase or one query, one statement to make to our man, the Peacock. And if he doesn't join us, if he can't join us, I'll. I'll, uh, I'll ask you uh, that question a little bit later. But Adam Peacock, hopefully, to join us. Tyler Harvey from the Illawarra Hawks will join us. And, uh, Coons, I don't know whether you saw this shot last night. Oh, I saw it. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Uh, to quote Andrew Gaze, my glory-filled days. Uh, the man's pulled up from half court with mm-hmm. three seconds left on the clock, down two, and it's nothing but cotton to win the whole thing for the Illawarra Hawks. The two win. Two and 20 Illawarra Hawks as well, uh, mind you. So uh, that was a fantastic shot over there in New Zealand. Uh, So Tyler Harvey will join us, the import point guard from Illawarra. And uh, also Liam Stocker, uh, Coons, who's been, you know, a a really uh, much talked about player throughout his career through mostly things that have little to do with him. You know, Carlton traded up to get him and all these different types of things. He's missed some time with with some issues um, off the field, and uh, now he finds himself officially uh, as a saint. So, looking forward to speaking to Lamb Stocker. So, as I said, huge show, plenty, plenty Thanks. to get through, and Thanks. I look forward to uh, just discussing and dissecting that shot from Tyler Harvey because I mean he pulled up with three seconds to go. He drained it. It was nothing but net. It was all 
Cotton, as you said. But they, I mean, he, he gave time for the opposition to actually have a crack at it at, at, at the other end. So well, we, we're going to spend a fair bit of time criticising <laughs> him well, you for are. that one. <laughs> well, no, I'm not going to mention it so the at all. But if you pull up from the Hungry Jacks logo, and it's it's not the first time he's done it this season, and it's mm. not the first time uh, he's done it in the NBL. It's it seems to be a regular occurrence for him. I just want to know how much time he puts into that. I mean, that training, do you get lambasted for the coach? Is it like kicking barrels from outside 60 halfway mm. through training? Is that the sort of stuff that you can get away with? Well, I don't know. I think he's probably earned the right to, to take and make those uh, shots because he can, he, can, uh, he can just get it done. He's the Steph Curry of the NBL. He can just pull up from anywhere, the left-handed version of Steph, because uh, Bruce in the pudding last night, that was an incredible shot over there in Auckland, and uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Tyler because it's been a tough year for the Hawks, but oh, yeah. uh, that was a very, very nice uh, piece of work last night. Of course, as always, Coons, we love the interaction. We love the interaction. So jump on uh, the talkback line for King Island Golf Play, King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Give us a call, Coons. We love that. We'd like to hear from the people, the SEN family, as we call them. So I'm not a massive basketball fan and I certainly didn't get get involved in watching the NBA pretty, pretty much until I finished my AFL career because I had a bit more time during the day to sit at home and watch it but it's in terms of clutch buckets in the history of the NBL and the NBA that one's up there from from Tyler Harvey I know it's only regular season and uh, the Hawks were really battling but just for morale uh, and just to get an actual W when they were really struggling I can only come up with a couple of clutch buckets that I know in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan, obviously, comes. that's the immediate one that springs well, to yeah, mind. Game, take your pick. Game yep. six. Yep. Well, game six, probably. Yes. Uh, when was that? 98 mm-hmm. against the Jazz. The Jazz. Um, well, if you, and if you watch the, the documentary, obviously, that's on Michael Jordan, there's the Steve Kerr who hit one in, <laughs> against the Jazz as well, which is yes. a game sixer. Uh, I think that was a year before. And the other one that comes to mind immediately is Ray Allen, which really saved LeBron's legacy. That was game six as well, back in 20-something, 2012, 2013, maybe. That'll do. That'll do. So that's all you can pick up. Three shots. Have you got any in the NBL that you can... Because you're a a former NBL player. I wouldn't go that uh, far. Um, And fan. uh, That's a good question. NBL, clutch NBL shots. There'd be a few. Uh, let us know. Bryce Jump Cotton, on the 40 winks. Got a few. Yeah, he, he shoots one. <laughs> no, he wouldn't have made any. <laughs> no. Well, man. That would have been 15 or 18 up by that stage. Yeah, that's right. If he would have had 40, 40 and 8 assists by then. Uh, let us um, let us know on the 40 winks temper text, uh, 04 The most clutch shot in the NBL or NBL history. Have you had a clutch or the, or the WNBL? Yes. Or the AFL, even. Have you had a clutch shot that you can remember like late in the final quarter where JJ just needed to step oh, up? Personally? Back nail one? Yeah. No, no, no. No, you've, you haven't had a clutch? You haven't no, the never, or... uh, never sort of uh, was able to get myself into the position of um, having the, uh, the game, the result resting on my shoulders. I'd sort of... You know, we were either up by 50 and I'd sort of sneak in and, and kick a couple of cheapies <laughs> or, or we were getting belted and I'd been unsighted. So uh, there, was, there was really no, uh, no opportunity. There was no in-between. <laughs> mm, there was no really uh, in-between. I don't think I've even played in a game. Played in a game where uh, young Mitch McGovern uh, of Carlton oh, phoned yes. these days, but he 
We came back from 51 down at halftime, and Mitch took a big grab and kicked a goal to give us a draw after the sign. That was, that was at the G, wasn't it? It was. Richie Douglas thought we'd won and celebrated, and we had to say, <laughs> hey, uh, Dougie, uh, see that? 56 versus 56, that means it's a draw, mate. Sometimes a draw is as good as a win. Nathan Brown did that against uh, the Doggies when yeah. we were, when he he defected. We had a draw against Richmond. And, and he, he celebrated. celebrated. Yeah, he, he celebrated, celebrated like post-game. Oh, seriously. <laughs> Go Tigers. Seriously. Um, um, I've nah. been involved in a couple where, um, and we shouldn't mention the great man because we saw him uh, sitting down with us yesterday doing filling in for Sports Day at the moment. Uh, Brad Johnson, he's had oh, no. two, oh, no. possibly three. What? Af- after the siren to win it. And has missed all of them. What? At least two. At least two I can remember that he's had the game on his boot and sprayed them both. It's likely he's in the car on the way up listening to us prepping and he's just driven off the the M1. Well, he wouldn't be moving very far because it's standstill on the on the freeway no, it's not. at the moment. No, I, it's I, not. I got halfway there and turned around and came <laughs> home and said, "I'm just going to do the show from home." Whereas oh. hopefully, Jono will get to Sports Day in time. I had to turn back. I was devastated because I wanted to come into the studio oh, today yeah. and finish off what has been a good week. But uh, we seem to talk about Jono a lot. We spoke about him getting run over by the golf cart <laughs> yesterday. Now we're toweling him up for missing. Shots after the siren. So, Bradley, if you are listening, I apologise, but these are the things that we have to bring up. Indeed, indeed. Uh, just this is heaps coming through off the uh, off the forty wings temper text straight away as well because uh, I've got a short memory. Sean Bruce of the Kings hit a game winning three point buzzer beater uh, to beat Cairns only about three or four weeks ago. So uh, I've got a very short memory. I watched the game mm-hmm. live. Uh, Shane Heal, <laughs> the hammer. He uh, he would have hit a few back in his day. And our man, uh, of course, geez, I'm a dead set fool. Our man Damon Lowry, uh, who joins us every now and then. He's a uh, he's a commentator on ESPN. He made some of the most unbelievable free throws to win Wollongong a championship that you'll ever see. They they sat up on the rim. All I think there was three foul shots. <laughs> uh, sat up on the rim and just rolled around and trickled around. I can't wait to have him on next time. We'll ask him about it. It was the uh, most incredible uh, trio of foul shots you've ever seen. So there's a few in the NBL. Shame so we had to hit all three. Um. I think so, yes. I think he had to hit all three, yes. That's my oh. recollection of it. Uh, I think it, it was triple clutch. It was against the Adelaide 36ers. Willie Farley, I believe, fouled him. And uh, it might have been Darnell Me actually. Fouled him and he went to the line and uh, stood there and as clutch as clutch can be because mm-hmm. free throws with the game on the line, that's as, that's as clutch as it gets, Mr. Kearney. I mean, can you think, what's what else? You know, a goal after the siren, Zach Bailey style, but... A free throw to win the game, everyone's looking at you. That's uh, that's a lot of pressure. Not only one free throw to win the game. If you've got to drain all three of them, that's where your your, your practice comes into play. Tens of thousands of shots standing there. It should be automatic. But then again, you can't emulate that sort of pressure, can you? I mean, Travis Cloak tried it with the headphones on, yes, with the crowd noise. Work. You just can't emulate the pressure of all eyes on you in the stadium and to get it done is a, an amazing feat. Jordan Dawson, he, he had a clutch moment in the show. He did. Uh, Out swinger, in swinger. 2022. Robbie Gray's had a couple. Heaps. One from deep in the pocket. Heaps. Jack Noons over yes. in Perth. Gary Rowan against in, the dog. He was in row three. Yeah. Calden. Oh, no. um, so there has been a few. Uh, we're going to get to a break. Uh, and, of course, we are here for Berwick BMW. Start your year in a new BMW and Rotoflex by Blundstone Stability. 
meets the freedom to move. Uh, one quick one off the 40 Winks temper because our man, we're talking about our man, Brad Johnson. Uh, Brett says, Jono, not only did Jono uh, miss three goals to win the game, Jono also had the greatest mark ever taken on his shoulders. Lol. Oh, no. Lol. <laughs> We're just ripping right into Jono yeah. here. I, I, no, seriously, it's... I hope I see him walk through these uh, these uh, doors in about two hours and he will be dead set fuming. That big smile that he's got uh, will be, be swinging gone. at you. I've just uh, got a quick text from executive producer uh, Joel Brooks, extraordinaire, who oh, runs right. the AFL Nation uh, thing. He said, let's not forget Jono's three goals in the last quarter in his 300th round one, 2008 versus Adelaide, including the winner with 90 seconds left. Go Dogs. He's a massive dog Joel supporter. Joel Brooks so. has a Let's give him one the other way. For the dog, for the dog. <laughs> He's got an illness. Oh, my God. <laughs> How can a grown man be so- Well, actually, we've got one here. Um, our own Sizzler's just in love. When Hawthorne play well, he just passes out. He can't <laughs> he tolerate faints. it. It's just too good. Uh, when Mark there's... Williams get the shotgun out, he faints. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of news out of Essendon as well. Uh, Essendon's top draft selection, Elijah Sardis, will require surgery on his knee. After scans revealed an acute meniscus tear. So that's no good. The 18 year old suffered a knock to his knee in a tackling collision at training this week, and uh, he went and consulted a surgeon. And the club confirms that he will have surgery in the coming days. So no good. There's been a few injuries too around the AFL. Max Gorn, yes. Rory Lobb. We'll uh, speak about that across the neck. We're working till six o'clock tonight, too, Adam. What? Do you cover that? That's uh, yeah, no worries. That's not a bad, uh, not a very good. Well, you're at home. Career, I mean, seriously, the least you can do is just put in an extra half an hour. Well, I just don't, these times keep on changing. You know, that one day we're five, the next five thirty, the next six. It's or chaos. Until midnight, sir. Absolute well, chaos. The beauty I'm is, I'll go home and have a few beers. The beauty, there's no <laughs> doubt he will. <laughs> go go home. He's, crowd, he's already sir. at home. What do you mean, in, go home and have a few beers? He is at home. And Damien Watson will be doing the, the midnight <laughs> shift, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get to a break. Uh, Seventeen minutes, seven minutes, seventeen minutes past three. This is a tradies hour for Ace Gutters Australian mate, built to last. So eleven to five again, and again out of the centre. Lalic, Lalic doing well to Heffernan. Second time he's taken out in a minute. Lucas read it best. Wrong side for him. Hooks it. Oh! What a <laughs> Sensational! <laughs> he's taken the wind out of himself. And why wouldn't he? Because he sucked it in from the stratosphere when he was up there. When that ball was kicked, I thought he's got no chance of marking it. And he's that hot. He just threw himself at it and it stuck. Joe Cassini just looked at the scoreboard and said, I want to see it again. I tell you. Uh, we've got a. Uh, there's plenty happening in the footy world. Uh, some injuries and. I mentioned before the break about the young star from the Bombers who's going to undergo uh, knee surgery, Elijah Sardis, and that's not good news. But I guess you know to happen this early uh, is 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 okay because if it's going to happen, you want it to happen early. But Rory Lobb uh, went down at training this morning with a with a, a leg issue. Max Gorn's been sent off for scans, so a few niggles this time of year. Uh, Coons, but that, the clubs are starting to ramp things up. They're starting to do their match sim and their tackling and their contested work. So. We should expect these things to happen. Every now and then, you're going to get some casualties, and that's what happens when you when you up the ante. You get back, and you've had your two weeks off over Christmas, do your time trial, and then from there, things start to get a bit more physical, as you mentioned. It's a lot more competitive work, one-on-one stuff, and there's bound to be one or two casualties at this time of year. Hopefully, for those players you mentioned, they're not long-termers. And Max yeah. Gorn's hammy is a 21-day standard and then mm. can get back and, and still be able to participate in some of those pre-season games. So, yeah, fingers crossed for those boys that they're not too serious. 
Uh, off the text, the 40 Wings Temper Text, and we love the 40 Wings Temper Text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wings, serious about sleep and temper. Consumer's choice winner. Temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Uh, Dom says... Why do clubs allow full contact in match sim in January? Top draft picks getting serious injuries already. That's unforgivable. Uh, Coons, why do clubs go about doing match sim uh, this far out from the actual season? Well, the young fella that's playing for Essendon, I assume that they want to do some match sim so they know how to play uh, mm. with a new coach mm. coming on board. So you have, you have to do it. There, there are tweaks and changes to a game plan each year, if you play the same way and you're not evolving, then you'll get left behind. So it's it's a perfect time of year to be able to practice uh, and train the way that you want to play throughout the year. You have to do match sim. Yes, uh, you've got to take the risk. A, it's the best way to learn as well of how to play, running patterns, all that sort of stuff. So you've got to have your competitive stuff and you have to have your match sim. The coaches always say to you before the session when yeah. you're having your, your meeting, like match sim, we want you to run as hard as you can, but let's not hurt people. If, if someone's given a hospital hand pass or, or a kick yep. and someone's backing back, don't crunch them. Uh, tackles at about sort of 80 to 85%. So once the players get out there, they go pretty hard. But it's, it's smart the way that they train. If someone is backing back into a pack, well, you don't stick your knee right into their ribs and try and, and break them unless they're in your position and you're trying to get a game. <laughs> Unless when you do the old exercise of the best 22 picked by the players and uh, you're going to be uh, sh- yeah, vying for that spot. That's when you run through them. Uh, Andy's in Taralga now, man, and uh, he's jumped on the line to ask us a very tough question. Andy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, JJ and Coons. How are you on this Friday afternoon? Unbelievable, good, Andy. Andy. We're, um, we're both unbelievable. Uh, what have you got for us, mate? Okay, my question today is, see us Australia Day next Thursday, the 26th of January. Name me you both three greatest Australia's moments in sporting history. Oh, greatest three moments in Australian sporting history. I'll go with the Cathy Freeman 400 metres for yeah. one at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm a big basketball guy, so I'm going to say the uh, the boomers the, breaking the, through the for bronze. a medal. Yeah, that'll do me. Bronze gold. That's what uh, Rose gold, I think they call it. Um <laughs> else? Um, I'll go with uh, Stephen Bradbury winning gold at the Winter Olympics. Why the silence? Oh, no, no, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. Oh, I think it was a great moment. Goodness me. What about Adam, Adam Scott winning the US Masters? Yes, yes, yeah. I like it. That was a pretty good one. So there's um, four, Andy. There's four between us. You happy with them, Andy? Or do you want... To, what about 2006? John Aloisi yes. sending us to the World Cup. Yeah, that was uh, a great moment. Uh, yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty. We just sort of can't think of them right now. But uh, great question, Andy. We love uh, all of uh, your work each and every Friday. Your questions are in, uh, incredibly insightful and in, difficult. In good form, Andy. He is. Uh, in 2023. We're going to... Uh, we'll get to the news in a moment. But uh, at some stage on this jam-packed show... Uh, we're going to try and come up with, uh, or you are going to come up with your top five crushing losses on the on the back of last night with uh, Thanasi Kokonakis, and that was a very tough pill to swallow for uh, for the young man, the 26 year old, of course, going down to Andy Murray in five hours and 45 <sighs> minutes. But uh, your top five crushing losses. Have you got any? Have you got any? Um, you want any teasers? Um, well, we were involved a lo- in a in a crushing a lot of loss. Them, 
not not like at the death loss, sort of uh, after the siren or thing like that. Apart from you know, not not home and away ones. I mean, mm. the the Jono ones we put them aside. But <laughs> yeah. um, I had a few devastating losses in prelim finals. There's no doubt about that. But I've sort of focused more internationally oh. because I thought our, our callers and texters could come up with some good AFL heartbreaking losses. So he did tweet post-match the Nasi Kokonakis about his sport and yep. how devastated he was. Man, this sport sucks. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few over the journey. Um, I will give one away. Greg Norman. <laughs> yeah, I had I had the shark. Yeah, Greg Norman at the '96 yeah. Masters. We know, we'll elaborate on it a little bit later. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we um, we know the story. We'll uh, go back over it, and Greg will be uh, thankful that we did. Did you ever play? You just quickly. Did you ever play in a game where you uh, were part of a, a, a match where a coach got sacked on the back of the result, either your team getting belted or you belting someone else? Were we ever involved in a game like that where a coach got sacked? Uh, well. I- uh, the Rocket Eid was more an, a sort of a cumulative um, okay. effect over mm. the year where a lot of people picked us to um, win the grand final in 2011 and yep. he un- ended up getting sacked that year. And uh, Peter Road was one who was my first coach uh, in year one who I think we won three games that year. So um, the writing was on the wall there sent as well. But packing. not off like a 100-point loss or anything like no, that. No, we sent uh, James Hurd packing, beat them by 120, and that was it for... Uh, for Jimmy Hurd, twenty fourteen oh, yeah. maybe. I'm yeah, I was there then. Well, yeah, yeah. You, know, you yeah, were. He was my coach then. You were the reason we uh, won by so many points. He wouldn't chase anyone. Rory Sloan had a field day against you. Um, were you really playing? Yeah, were you playing? Oh, I might have been. I was probably injured. Well, anyway, it was the end of James Hurd. Not the end of us. We'll be back. We've just done a bit of uh, homework out the back and. Um, the uh, last game for the great James Hurd, 112-point uh, loss for the uh, Bombers. Uh, Adam Cooney must have been, was he managed? Did you manage yourself that week? Uh, probably would have been a hamstring injury, I'm <laughs> guessing. Would have been a solid 21-dayer. It's just a mm. just a grade grade one. You would have been at home icing one. up. No, I, right I remember that game. I was actually sitting in the stats box next to the, the coaching box, mm. and things just went from bad to bad. Really bad to appalling Terrible. to horrific, and there was by about halfway through the third quarter in the coach's box, it was just silence. Mm. No one had any ideas. No one could change anything. And I think at that stage, Hurdy thought, "Well, this is the end," and it was just complete silence for for a full quarter in the last. And that was all she wrote. Press yeah. conference on mm. the Monday. Yeah, they're no, uh, they're no good. You played eleven games in twenty fifteen, so you you were. Uh, you you played half the season and then had a couple of hammies. Two uh, hammies. I hurt my shoulder as well. Actually, I did. I tore my AC joint first game, first quarter for Essendon. I tore my AC joint and then um, it's, yeah, it's still knackered actually. So um, there you go. You're welcome. Put my body on the line for the for the sash. For the <laughs> Don the sash and lost Don the shoulder. The sash. Lost mm. the AC. Been a few shoulder lost, issues on this show the in the uh, in the past twenty four hours. There's a few. A uh, few, uh, we left a few out. We couldn't think of a few on the spot. It's hard when our man Andy from Tarelgan, you know, he rings up, you know, at random. Oh, I mean, we know he's going to ring on a Friday, but we don't know what mm-hmm. his question is. And he puts us on the spot, and we sometimes get a little stage fright. So, we what le- do you mean? We came up with about six rippers. Well, we left out the America's Cup. We left out Cadell Evans winning the Tour de France. We left out. Um, uh, what else did we leave out? There's I a... spoke about the America's Cup last week with, with his Friday question. 
Okay, um, so you deliberately left it out because so you spoke about it I last week. I left it out today because I spoke about it last so week. So I, th- I guess the moral of the story is there has been so many uh, great moments in uh, Aussie sporting history that um, we can't think of them all. That's the uh, moral of the story as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's been some crackers and we came up with a few and uh, Andy did his best to stump us and uh, again, he'd be smoking a pipe right now because he, he's done his job. He, uh, he's a superstar, our man Andy. Uh, now, just a little, uh, we are hopeful of speaking to Adam Peacock after five. Uh, just some uh, some score updates from Melbourne Park. Jessica Pagula, the daughter of the Buffalo Bills owner, so hasn't she made it in life? She's up five love against the Ukrainian. I think that's it. What flag is go it? With it, it's blue with yellow underneath it. Is that Ukrainian or not? Yes, it is. I think it definitely is. Yeah, I'm. Right. I'm just not great with the names. Um, there's a few other big well, games going on on the uh, women's side as well. Coco Golf's match against her fellow American Para has just started. That game's uh, love, love. So uh, the, there's a couple of big games happening on the women's side of the draw. Uh, Yannick Sinner was the one that was interesting, Coons, because. He was down against the Italian. He went down uh, two sets to love against and then just flicked a switch, the number 15 seed, and won the last three sets, 6-1, six, 6-2, six, six, love. So oh boy, I'm not home. sure what he was doing in the first two sets, but he absolutely wiped the floor with his opponent uh, in the uh, last three sets. And then the other big game uh, today, of course, that was at Rod Laver Arena, the third-round match, sits a pass, the big man, uh, the number three seed, he handled uh, his opponent, the Frenchman, uh, six two seven six six three. So uh, plenty happening at Melbourne Park, and hopefully we can uh, speak to Adam Peacock a little later about uh, last night's happenings. What about Jessica Pugula? Yes, it's a it's a it's a unique situation where a player is already um, a billionaire when they before yes. they've even yeah. um, hit a ball in anger. And to find the motivation to do that, obviously the best in the world. I mean, you talk about Federer, you talk about Nadal, Djokovic. Now they're set for life. They don't need the money, but they've got they've got that drive to be able to keep going. But they've got record. They're chasing records, Grand Slam records, and, and all sorts of things, legacy and all that sort of stuff. For a mm-hmm. player like Jessica Pagula, who could just really sit back and and just cruise, couldn't she, for the rest of her life to Absolutely. go on to go on tour and try and make a career out of being a professional tennis player and doing a, a pretty reasonable job too. It, pretty it reasonable. It's, it's well, okay. Well, she's doing an amazing job to to be able to find the to, the motivation. Do you think to keep? She's the doing number that? three seed in the Australian Open. And you said she's do doing a pretty be... reasonable job. Well, she hasn't won a Grand Slam just yet. <laughs> that's what we measure our success on. But to be able to find the motivation to do that, do you yes. think that's rare? Would you be able to do that if you had a if you were an heiress? No, no. I'd probably put the hand out for the uh, for the old boy and the old girl to uh, flip <laughs> me a few million, and I'd just be on my way. To be honest, uh, <laughs> so it's uh, just incredible drive to be able to is. want to be one of the best tennis players in the mm. world well, and getting be- there. Because when it gets hard, uh, a lot of people say, "Well, what? I don't have another option. I got to. I just got to find a way to get through it." She has a yeah. very, very good uh, backup option. That's to go yep. and uh, take part in the family uh, business, get a great job with the Buffalo Bills, and just live on Easy Street. Absolutely. Yeah, so like yeah, it. most people are playing to well, certainly to try and make for it, life. Aim, but to yep. put food food on the table mm. and to make a good life for their family. She's already got that, but just wants to do it for her. Yeah, love I love that. it. We love the uh, motivation. She's my tip to win the whole thing too, uh, Coons. Not that I know a lot about tennis. Uh, we got to get to a break because on the other side, Hobart Hurricanes assistant coach and very good friend of the show, uh, Darren Chuck Berry 
is going to join us. And uh, there's plenty happening in the world of cricket. Of course, the BBL's on fire, and we are not far away from uh, sending our squad to India for the big test match series, which you can hear right here on SEN. So a quick break. And Chuck Berry up next. Uh, most certainly is. Welcome back to the run home. This is a tradies hour for A-Skaters Australian-made, built to last. Josh Jenkins and Adam Cooney uh, driving you home through to 6 o'clock tonight, if you don't mind. Now, our next guest, Coons, is uh, a man that uh, the great SK Warren once said, uh, and I quote, the best keeper I've ever bowled to. His name is Darren Chuck Berry. He's a Hobart Hurricanes assistant coach, and he joins us on the line. Chuck, uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. No worries, boys. And uh, clearly, Shane was a very good judge, Coons. I think <laughs> he was a very, very good judge. I uh, saw that quote, saw that quote online, and thought I better get that, uh, better get that out there. Um, where do we, uh, where do we uh, find you? You've got a big game coming up against the Brisbane Heat, so uh, this is a, a, a really, really important game for your mob. Uh, absolutely, it is. I think if you look at the Big Bash table for all your listeners, obviously. Um, Sydney Sixers and Perth have jumped out at the top and they've been the yardstick for quite a few years now. Sadly for Melbourne listeners, the Melbourne Stars are probably dusted. But then you've got five sides in a logjam, really, to fill the final three spots. And as you mentioned tonight, Hurricanes versus the Heat at the Gabba. Uh, I'm sitting out on my balcony in Brisbane getting ready to go to the ground. And, uh, I, I mean, they're all important at this time of the year, but this is, I think if we win tonight, it gives us a real shot at the finals. How, how have you found your season thus far? It's, you know, we know that you know, on any given night, and that's what's great about the BBL, on any given night, it doesn't matter whether you're on the road or playing at home, the, the, the results are just never a foregone conclusion. So how have you viewed the Hurricane season to date? Yeah, fair call. And my honest answer is inconsistent. We probably, we haven't put our perfect game together. And when I say that, boys, I mean both the bat and the ball. We've either batted well and then bowled terribly or vice versa. So it'd be lovely if we could sort of put both parts of the game together. We believe we've got the the team and the squad to do it. We, We have had a couple of injuries to a couple of our key spinners, which is... You know, that hurts us. It's like, you know, centre-half forward going out or, mm. you know, one of your key players. But excuses, there's none of those because you just got to have the squad to do it. And I think inconsistent has probably frustrated the coaching group and the playing group. Uh, we've got three games to play and we'd love to find some consistency at the business end. How, 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 do, you, um, how do you go about that? Because the schedule is, it's pretty jam-packed. There's, I imagine there's not heaps of time for... For, for getting in the nets and I guess the old school way of, of getting better is just is just basically you know hitting balls and bowling balls and doing those sorts of things. But the schedule's busy, you're on plane so often. So how is there is there more time spent watching vision with players individually? How do you go about getting better if you don't necessarily have a lot of time to, to get out in the nets and, and physically do the work? A great observation. And we've played five games in 10 days, boys, and we've travelled from Hobart to Perth uh, Perth to Brisbane with delays on every leg. You know, the airlines aren't doing any favours at mm-hmm. the moment. So you're right. It's really recovery, you know, boys getting their bodies right after long flights to get out there. So there is a little bit of us team strategy and, and team meetings discussing the opposition strengths and weaknesses. And, and each game's a little bit unique, different to footy, that you sort of know this is our best 20 players. And if we play well, you know, we'll give you our chance to win. But in this format of the game in cricket, Sometimes you make changes specific for the conditions, you know, fast wickets, spinning wickets, etc. So 
there is a lot of strategy that goes into it. It doesn't always come off, boys, as you know. The best mm. laid plans if you go out and have a shocker. Uh, but that's probably been the mode of the last 10 to 12 days where we've had a team meeting, not too long. The modern-day player don't like team meetings, but mm -hmm. uh, just to have a look at you know the strengths and weaknesses and, and try and match up uh, against the opposition. So what are the strengths and weaknesses of the heat you're looking at tonight, Chuck? And, and what is the wicket like? Have you had a look at it? Uh, well, to be honest, we got in late last night. We haven't. It was overcast this morning, but as I said, where I am now, the sun's coming out. Look, normally up here, Adam, it, it, it's a really good wicket. It's normally a high-scoring venue at the Gabba, uh, fast and bouncy. That being said, you know, I'm a believer of giving people the opposite to what they're used to. I mean, the Brisbane players are good players of pace, so I would take the pace off the ball. Uh, and that's been heavily debated in our team meetings. But I expect a good wicket, a high-scoring game, the sun's coming out. Um, and obviously, they've got Usman Kawaja and Marnus Labuschagne back in their sides in the test team. Two pretty key batsmen. So we need to take some early wickets and put them under the pump. Have you seen uh, during this season a slight shift in the way that teams are, are building their innings? I just feel like watching a few games this year, it's not all get to the crease and try and blast your way to 200 as quickly as possible. Do you feel like they're putting a lot more faith in the bowlers to get it done and, and trying to craft more of an innings over the 20? I think that's a fair call. And if you probably look at team that the bowlers are doing more and I think that's why Perth, uh, you know, I, I really admire Perth and their culture and the way they go about it. Even in our game the other night, we, we were 20 short with the bat. We competed hard, but they came out and played a very smart game in Perth. Big boundaries, boys. They knocked the gaps and run twos, whereas perhaps we, I think, showed showed some poor decision-making. We tried to belt the ball over the fence to the square boundaries. That's not smart. That mm. is a, that's, a, that's dumb cricket. So you're right. Uh, the strategically smart teams that work it out, hey, six twos and over, boys. That's 12 in my, my book with no risk versus trying to hit two sixes to big boundaries. And The best way to slow the run rate in this format is to take wickets. And that's why Perth and Sydney have jumped out on top because that's what those two sides are doing. Uh, let's change tact a little bit, uh, Chuck, and look uh, internationally. The test squad obviously was announced uh, a little while ago. Uh, Victorian off-spinner Todd Murphy, who you'd be you know, relatively familiar with, do you think he'll get an opportunity in India? And if not, can you see him being you know, a long-term uh, potential replacement to, to Nathan Lyon? Yeah, it made me feel old, boys. I played with his old man, Jamie oh, Murphy, who's a really good cricketer, played at St Kilda and was in the Vic squad for a while. Country boy, you know, you, you two know the story. They've done lots of travelling and he's a really good kid. He's a pretty humble kid, confident enough in his ability. Uh, look, there's no reason why he can't play. I mean, people would say, well, you can't play two off spinners, you know. Well, why not? We played two leg spinners at times. Yeah. I'm a believer that you pick your two best two best uh, spinners in those conditions. So don't be surprised. I don't think he's just there for a experience. And he's the long-term successor to Nathan Lyon, no doubt. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he snuck in for a test debut over there. And I hope he does with, uh, with my Victorian hat on. Well, you mentioned that you can't play two off-spinners. Is Adam Zampa's omission from this international tour signal the end of um, his international intentions, do you think? Why was he left well, from out? A from a test perspective, boys, I mean, uh, he he hasn't played a lot of Sheffield Shield cricket in recent times. He's, I mean, he's brilliant in the short format in one day as and T20. He's fantastic. 
But I, I personally, I wasn't that surprised. He hasn't played a lot of four-day cricket. And he's not a big spinner of the ball, Adam Zampa. His strength is, at, you know, attacking the stumps. Uh, when players are coming after him, he's at his real strength. Look, there's always a case for a leg spinner, but I think they're, they're seeing Swepson as more of a, a four-day bowler than Adam Zampa. I would imagine that's the reason. It didn't shock me. It maybe shocked a few, but I wasn't shocked he didn't make it. Uh, Chuck, last one before we let you go. Uh, I saw your tweet yesterday. You know, it's been 19 years since since yeah. the uh, passing of of the great David Hooks. So, um, you know, someone that's uh, never too far from your thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, he was uh, he was before his time. Tragic tragedy, mate. 48 years of age. Mm. I really think he would have coached Australia. His tactical brain. I, I learned a lot, a lot off David Hooks in just a couple of years. I was lucky enough to be captain of Victoria when, when he was the coach. And I learned a lot off him, um, even at the end of my career. And it's probably taken into my coaching. And it was hard to believe yesterday. It was 19 years and... Yeah, you know, sometimes people say you don't need to put the sad tweets on. For me, it was a respect tweet to yep. say, mate, you know, miss your champion. And and I felt for his family yesterday, who I touched base with. So, yeah, um, rest in peace to the great David Hooks. Indeed, well said, uh, Chuck. Uh, your Hurricanes take on uh, the Brisbane Heat tonight at the Gabba. Five and six, your mob uh, need a win uh, desperately. So hopefully you can fire the boys up and uh, get it done. Thanks for joining us on the run home. Hey, Josh, just before you yes. let me go, I yes. know you'll like this, mate. Just before I let you go, I'm very happy because I just turned the television on at the end of this interview. And I'll just say, I'm not really a gambling man, but I listen to you blokes a lot. I just had a little, of course, a dabble responsibly. Mm. And you know what? I'm smiling and waving at the moment. Oh, wow. Hello. 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 Smiling waved at you, Flemington. You must be... Uh, I was going to say, yeah, well, you didn't get the tip from me because my tips don't win. Um, thanks for joining <laughs> us, mate. We'll chat to you again soon. Cheers, lads. All, All right. right, there's Darren Chuckberry, the uh, assistant coach of the Hobart Hurricanes, and they'll be aiming for a win against the Heat at the Gabba in Brisbane tonight. Quick break as we approach 4 o'clock. Unbelievable. First hour. Unbelievable. Uh, welcome back to the run home. Four minutes past four on this lovely Friday afternoon. Only 20.4 degrees outside here in Melbourne, but uh, it is nice in the sunshine uh, outside, of course, we're here for Berwick BMW. Start your new year in a new BMW and Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. The BBL match between the Strikers and the Scorchers is about to get underway. The Strikers uh, have chosen to bat. That game's over in Adelaide, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. There's plenty happening at the Australian Open, of course. Some of the big guns when it comes to the women's side of the draw are in action right now and tonight. So uh, looking forward to keeping you up to date with what's happening. We've got a heap of prizes too uh, to give away. So jump on the line, one 736 736 on the King Island Golf Talkback line. Play King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses or uh, send us a 40 Wings Temper text. You only get a prize if you, te- if you ring up though. But if you can't be bothered, just send us a 40 Wings Temper text. Uh, on 0433981116. As I uh, welcome back in, he's uh, jumped lines, he's crossed his wires, he's back. He's a great man. He's the 2008 uh, Brownlow medalist. His name is and always will be Adam Cooney. Unless I change it. I can't imagine um, why. I can't imagine why you'd be changing your name. Well, I might be forced to soon. You never know. Mm, Okay. The cheese brand had to. Right, yeah, okay, moving right along. Okay. Uh, we've got, I tell you what, our prize, um, uh, Adam, 
Uh, we've got a $100 tennis-only gift voucher. It's the tennis season, the summer of tennis. Uh, tennis-only shop online at Australia's number one tennis retailer. Visit tennisonly.com.au. We've also got best in the business, a Signet Boost Power Bank valued at $59.95. A Signet Ooh, Boost yeah, Power Bank good. will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7 also. 24 hours a day. 24 a day. A day. That's, that's all day. That's the whole day. Uh, also, 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart. Get 18 holes of golf. Golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just 99 bucks. Visit clubbandalay.com.au. And also, another prize. It's unbelievable. <laughs> a double pass to the Summer Festival at the Valley on the 28th of January. Experience so many prizes. You won't forget with racing, live music, and entertainment at the Summer Festival at the Valley, January 21 to February 24. Tickets at thevalley.com.au. So <laughs> giveaways everywhere. It couldn't prizes. possibly be a reason Everything. not to jump on the line. Uh, what we want to do, uh, we're going to get to your top five crushing losses. This just goes and strikes at the heart of you as a person. You like to focus <laughs> on losing rather than winning. So, Adam Cooney, the floor is yours. Top five crushing losses. Well, it's just much easier to focus on the on the heartbreak. So this is obviously um, with Thanasi Kokonakis, um, his heartbreaking loss after over five hours of tennis. Mm-hmm. You'll like this one to kick us off. Super okay. Bowl 42, February 2008. The Patriots were 16 and zip. Oh, one no. game away from perfection. And then it all went horribly wrong, beaten by the New York Giants and the super arm of Peyton's brother, Eli Manning. Do you remember mm. that one? I do, I do. I, th- I think that was the helmet game, was it not? Where uh, David Tyree caught the ball, jammed it up against his... Jammed it in the helmet. Helmet and uh, beat Tom Brady in the in the Patriots. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good start. What about poor Andy Roddick? Wimbledon. Oh, no. Been a runner-up so many times. But 2009, Wimbledon Grand Slam final. Roger Federer, the best in the world. Andy Roddick... They went back and forth. They had an epic encounter. Huge. Unfortunately, Andy Roddick lost in the fifth set, 16-14. Wow. Talk about heartbreak. And you, you, if you see the photo of him standing uh, next to Roger, who's got the trophy and he's got the plate, you can see how devastated he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that one. I like that one. 2014 World Cup semi-final, Ooh. home World Cup for the Brazilians. Heavily, heavily tipped to win that World Cup, uh, went into the game against Germany, the whole nation on their shoulders, and they got done. Do you know what the scoreline was? What was it? 7-1. Wow. <laughs> well, you know what, uh, Adam Kearney? Uh, you've explained it very well, but um, why explain it when you can hear it? Have a listen to this. Oh, what a night they're going to have. But, uh, they might have number seven here now. They have got seven. It's an absolutely terrific strike from Schurler, who has his second in a matter of minutes. And this embarrassment for Brazil is more acute by the minute. It is now a record defeat for Brazil. Julio Cesar has had to pick the ball out of his net seven times. 
Seventh Seven. heaven. I'll tell you what, that was uh, that was uh, no good. Uh, I like that one. Uh, number two, please. So I was just reading about that game, and the, the quote at the end of the article I was reading was, after the semi-final, it sent the country into a depression known as the Agony of Mineroa, which wow. was the stadium that the game was played at. So uh, country took it well, I think, the country of, of Brazil. Mm. Super Bowl 51. Texas? Falcons? Oh, don't. 28 3 versus the American superstar in Tom Brady. And we all know what happened after that. They went on a run 25 to zip to send it to OT. And what happened on the first possession? They scored to win the Super Bowl. That's the ultimate heartbreak for the Falcons, who had one hand on the trophy. Unbelievable. I like it. There is uh, Adam Cooney's top five. Crushing sporting losses. You tell us what yours are. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I won't go through them again because we'll be here till quarter past six. But there are a heap of prizes for those uh, brave, bold, and courageous enough to ring us up. And Alan is on the road. He is going to open the batting with uh, John McEnroe. A little bit of tennis here, Alan. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I think I cover four sports. One is John McEnroe in nineteen eighty four. Two sets up loses to Lando three two. Mm-hmm. I think he never recovered from that. He'd never won a French Open. Uh, George Foreman, I think he was 20 to 1 to, to smash Muhammad Ali. And that did his, uh, I think, his championship. And I think he went to Spain and didn't compete for 20 years. Mm. 1970 uh, football, I think Carlton uh, Collingwood, didn't they open up the champagnes at that time? That's, that's one that they came back and <laughs> yes. smashed him. Yep. And uh, I guess there's one more that I, I thought about. Uh, the fourth one. Um, geez, uh, there was another one. Though. Anyway, those are my top three anyway. Right? I like it, Alan. I like it. Uh, thanks for the call. There's a few uh, good ones there. John, McEnro- John McEnroe's lost to Ivan Lendl and uh, Muhammad Ali's lost to George Foreman, who uh, Alan tells us was 20 to 1. Unbelievable 20 to in one. a uh, head-to-head contest. Uh, Alex is in South Yarra. Uh, wants to give us uh, a huge or a terrible sporting loss. Yeah, hi guys. Thanks for having me. Number one would be North Melbourne's preliminary final loss in 1994 when Lee Tudor um, hmm. kicked it to Gary Ablett for the win basically after the siren. Yep. Uh, looking back at that game, there were so many uh, bad umpiring decisions, even though it was so long ago, it still hurts. Um, <laughs> and uh, Rafters lost. Rafters oh. lost to uh, Goran Ivanisevic oh. in 2001 after beating Agassi in the semi final was Unbelievable, like one of the best uh, serve volleys of all time. Didn't win a Wimbledon, like crushing so yeah. bad. I like it, Alex. Uh, great call. And for uh, for those, I'm going to give you the $100 tennis only gift voucher. Tennis only shop online at Australia's number one tennis retailer. Visit tennisonly.com.au. My football knowledge isn't great in terms of the history of the game, but was mm. that the moment? Did Lee Tudor switch the ball back across goal late? To Gary Ablett? Uh, was, that the, was that the moment no, I'm thinking of? I thought Billy Brownless kicked it, but I, 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 it was in 1990. Someone will correct us. Someone will know. Yeah, someone will know. Oh, well, there's a text here uh, on the 40 Wings Temper text about that exact game. Uh, it was on here before Alex's call, which is uh, quite really? I, uh, ironic. Last game, hi, JJ and Coons. The last game I ever went to in the AFL was the Gary Ablett Senior v. Mick Martin moment. I simply can't go back. Foz, well, that's... Uh, 
That was uh, a little while ago, Foss. You, you got to get over it and you got to get back to the footy. Time to go to the footy. A bit's changed since the last time oh, you went to the footy. Uh, <laughs> Greg's bring, in, a, bring a pineapple if you want a pie and yeah, a yeah. soft drink. Yeah, it costs you a bit more these days. Uh, Greg's in WA. He's got a heartbreaking moment for us. Good afternoon, Greg. G'day, guys. I'll try to go through them quickly because I've been asked to. So, but I've got five. They're all footy. Mm-hmm. Um, two, two of them are the 97 and the 2009 um, prelims, which the no, dogs... You're a Saints fan? Oh, the dogs. <laughs> dogs, yeah. The prelims that we lost mm. in ninety, so we lost it in two thousand and nine, and the ninety seven one as well to Adelaide. Yep. So, um, and then um, so I've got a waffle grand final, the nineteen seventy eight waffle grand final, which my beloved Perth Demons lost by two points to East Perth. It would have been our third on third on uh, the trot. Um, which you already won my, two. Get over that. <laughs> yeah, my, Be greedy. My, my uncle was coaching them too, so. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's a big one for the family. Um, and then the other two, are, which I'll bracket together, so the, the 2006 grand final, which Sydney lost, and the 2018, which Collingwood lost. And the reason why they were heartbreaking was because I knew that living in Perth, that the next 12 months was going to be hell, <laughs> sitting around, living among all about the Eagles. Yeah, I like it. I like it, Greg. Yeah, you've got a great memory. Go back a fair way too. So uh, thanks for your call. Much appreciated. We're going to throw you the uh, Signet Boost Power Bank valued at fifty nine ninety five. A Signet Boost Power Bank will le- keep your phone, tablet, earbuds powered 24-7. Uh, 24 hours a day. In the lift by the person who heard us and then sent the Signets our way, a Signet Power Boost can start your car battery. He told me that happened to him. He went up to the snow, I think he said, and uh, the Signet Boost started his car. What do you need to, so you need the uh, jumper lead I don't, to I don't, connect I don't, to a USB cable? I don't know the details. You should have asked for details. I don't like details. They just make things more murky. Uh, let's go to Richard in oh, Narry like Warren, who's got, a, uh, who's got another heartbreaking loss for us. Good afternoon, Richard. Good afternoon to you guys. Um, yeah, I remember 1996 Olympics... The 1500 metres uh, swimming final. Uh, Perkins had been out of form going into the meet, overweight, all that kind of stuff, sick. Manages to make the final from lane eight. So this was a chance for Daniel Kowalski to finally come out of his shadow after eight years. He was supposed to be the lay down Mazaire and the new king. And Perkins come out and smashed the world record and mm. put him to pieces. It must have been a most shattering loss for. Kowalski. I don't know how he could have come back from it. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. That's a, I can uh, can just vividly or not vividly. I can just remember uh, the uh, the exact race that uh, that Richard's talking about. That's a good one, uh, Coons. You uh, you were swimming. You don't mind a bit of swimming. From lane eight too, yes. Kieran Perkins. That yes. goes to, to show that you don't have to be in the middle, in the guts of it, lane four. You can get splashed all over and still smash world records from lane eight and be overweight too, which is what we like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, thanks for the call, Richard. Uh, Ralph's in Frankston's got a heartbreaking loss for us as well. Good afternoon, Ralph. G'day. Uh, my thunder got stolen a bit earlier because I was uh, at that game in 94 and it was, I was 18 years old and I, I cried a lot. Um, but, uh, was it a switch was from Lee Tudor? Yeah, well, he, was, he was kicking it across the face of goal. He was snapping it to the middle. It went over Mick Martin's head. And took the mark and that's when I was crying. The hand, the hand of God, as they say. <laughs> yeah, if only he touched the ball. Yeah, in, um, indeed. But, uh, there's a couple
couple of other ones that come to mind. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget uh, was that Carrie Ann Saxby, the Walker, when she's um, was at the Sydney Olympics. Yep, walking by about six, seven hundred meters, going into the stadium, mm. and basically started running. So got red carded as she was running into the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm th- oh, just losing it, you there, uh, Ralphie, a little bit, but we um, are, uh, and, and I think it might have been Jane Savile. Jane Savile, and also uh, the the I'm, I've seen the video a few times where the um, the uh, Olympic official right in the grill too gets the yeah. red card and just waves yeah, it in her it. face, and he she wanted just, his moment. She just absolutely breaks down as you would uh, be absolutely distraught. Had a gold medal ripped from around your neck. Uh, we're going to get to a break in a moment. The callers are just coming through thick and fast. Adam Cooney, you are uh, unbelievable. Uh, Greg's in Moorabah, and uh, he's got a heartbreaking loss for us. Good afternoon, Gregory. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I trust you are well on this beautiful Melbourne weather day. We of are. course, Of course. Well, Adam wouldn't know he's in Geelong, but it's beautiful up here. Oh, Gorgeous here too. Okay. I'm going to... Get a couple of real quick ones for you guys. I won't waste too much of your time. Um, I was actually there when Blighty kicked the barrel, uh, went about 80 metres uh, to deflate the Blues. But my main my main point, guys, um, when you talk deflation, mm. I tell you what, 250 million sepos, the arse fell out of them when we won the America's Cup, I tell you. <laughs> it was massive. Jeepers, jeepers, jeepers. I like it, Greg. Uh, thanks for the call. Uh, one more. Flynn's in Mornington. He's got a heartbreaking loss for us. Good afternoon, Flynn. Hey, how you going, boys? Uh, my heartbreaking loss is the 2010 Grand Final Saints. Come ah. back a little bit, have a draw, come back week after and get pumped. Yeah, I feel for you, Flynn. I feel I can the bounce I can, of the Sharon. I can still uh, I can still feel your pain, uh, Flynn. For that, I'm going to give you 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a card. Hopefully, that makes you feel a little bit better about it. Get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just 99 bucks. Visit clubbandalay.com. You. you know what? Let's rip through these last two. Artie's in Sydney. Got a heartbreaking loss for us. Good afternoon, Artie. Yeah, 2005 Champions League final. Uh, a friend of mine went over there to Barry Free's uh, beloved Liverpool. AC Milan went into the shed leading 3-0. I'm a big, big uh, AC Milan fan. I was just rubbing it into him over there. And basically they came out. Uh, they drew the, the game at full time. And then they um, they beat us on penalties 3-2. Stevie Gerrard, best on ground. I mean, uh, that was memorable days. But uh, that was a big loss for AC Milan. Yeah, I like that one. Um, great call, Artie. Uh, thanks for that. Brett's in Snorbins. Our man, he's um, been on the line a fair bit. Must be a big fan of yours, Adam Kearney. Uh, Brett, good afternoon. Yeah, g'day, Shags. Hey, 2006 World Cup, Australia, Italy. Lucas Neal gets the penalty given against him. Oh, yes. Uh, JJ, quick question, yes. mate. What, what's your starting five for the uh, basketball for the Boomers at the next Olympics? Uh, Giddy, Simmons, uh, Dyson Daniels. Um, who, who, uh, jo- Jock Landale. We need one more big boy. We need boy. a centre. Yeah, we need one more big boy. Um... Uh, I'll let you know. I'll get back to you. How about we'll just play with four? That's a pretty good for a starting four. We'll just play with four. We'll be too good for him. Uh, we better uh, actually. Sam's in Aspendale. He's been hanging on as well. Uh, Sam, good afternoon. Yeah, g'day guys. Uh, I think the the measure of deflation is what happens next. Uh, so I was thinking. I hate to say it, JJ, but Adelaide in the 2017 Grand oh, Final. Sam. 
Oh, I mean, there's been a grand final every year since There's AFL always going to be one. And the VFL started. And you go to 2017. I'll tell you He's what, there's a... Straight there's for a, the Power Rangers stance. There's a couple of tickets there for the Valley. But you're, you're a lousy bloke. Yeah, you're lousy. And you know what? I'm just going to let them sit there for someone else. Uh, thanks for your call, Sam. Let's get to a break <laughs> on that absolutely note. Uh, not far away from the 4.30 news. Um, bit of criticism about my um, starting four for the Boomers, too. Well, I just couldn't think of a fifth player. Um, we've got Have you th- thought of one now? No. Um, <laughs> you had five minutes. Yeah, I know, but well, hang on. The content of the show does, just doesn't happen. I want Iguodala. No, we yeah, can't I have him. Oh, I come up with it. He's American. Um, who can be our centre? A big dog. Is it, is it, is it Aaron Bain? No, it's unlikely that uh, Gazy can do it for us. Well... Baines is 35, I think, so he's out. Oh. We've got a young Aussie. Um, um, what about Harry Froling? Mm, no, not quite. Sam, maybe, his teammate. We'll ask Tyler Sam? Harvey about Sam Froling because uh, we're going to speak to Tyler Harvey after 4.30. A uh, bit of golf uh, news. Our man, David Taggart, SEN Track. Uh, he's the best tipster on SEN Track, if you ask him. Uh, golf 24, practice, play, compete 24-7 indoors. Tags has got some tips for us for the PGA American Express this weekend. So uh, his tips were uh, Patrick Cantlay, who's four under, so going okay. Sam Burns, who's eight under, who's doing very, very well for himself. Uh, Zelatoris is three under, and Brendan Todd, four under. So they're all doing well. So those who got involved with that, Tags as tips on the uh, on the golf for the PGA American Express will be feeling pretty good about themselves. That's Golf 24. Indoor golf centers open 24-7. Practice, play, compete on the world's best courses. Okay. Um, okay, uh, Lindsay, have you thought of a, a center for us in the Olympics or not? Mate, this is your domain. You, you're a former NBL player. You say hoops is your wheelhouse. You need to come up. With one, it's not up to well, me. I we've don't got heaps of guns. We just don't have a lot of, of big guys. Um, Paddy Mills will still be thereabouts. Matisse Thibel, hopefully. Paddy Mills will, will be thirty-seven, won't he? Yeah, but he's a shooter. He can just stand in the corner and hit the uh, hit the hit the triples. But, uh, Simmons is the one who who we uh, we need to play. He's not a center, but he's six foot ten. Uh, just so got ejected. He'll um he'll get what? He got he got ejected. He got ejected uh, for talking back talking back to an official against Phoenix. Uh, seven point six or six four boards, and you're out of there, Ben. Wow. Wow. Well, we uh, there you go. Um, the score in that game is uh, Phoenix one eleven, the Nets one oh four. A minute to go in the game, so the Nets going to lose another one without Kevin Durant. Philadelphia beat uh, the Trailblazers. Minnesota beat Toronto, and in the rematch of last year's NBA Finals, the Celtics beat the Warriors. 121 to 118. That game went to OT. Speaking of hoops, we're going to get to the news at nice and early because we've got to get back with the man who hot, who hit, who made, who drained the shot of the century, Tyler Harvey. Tyler Harvey, he'll have the final say one way or another. Tom Evercrombie on him. This is going up from deep. Four, three, Harvey. What a shot, what a moment 
Something uh, every young boy and girl dreams of hitting the game-winning uh, shot, let alone hitting it from halfway, uh, basically halfway. And that's what our next guest did, uh, Ty, uh, Tyler Harvey of the Illawarra Hawks, the import guard who has been a superstar during his time in the NBL. He's been good enough to join us after just getting back from New Zealand. Tyler, uh, thanks for your time and well done on such an amazing uh, shot last night. Oh, man, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a crazy game. Uh, no, it's good to, be, uh, good to be on this show talking to you, man. Did you get much sleep last night? I imagine the adrenaline was, uh, was flowing through the, through the body. Uh, did you, uh, were you able to settle down in the aftermath? Yeah, I turned on the Australian Open a bit, watched some tennis, uh, got a little meditation in, and we fell asleep, man. So, how, how did it feel? What, what you know, most of us will never be in that situation. So, you know, just sort of walk us through what you're thinking. Um, you know, you know, there's not long to go. You know, the score, all that's pretty straightforward. But, but what's going through your mind in that moment when you know that you need to, you know, beat the beat the buzzer and and and, and hit a bucket to win the game for your team? Yeah, man. Honestly, you just try to be. I just try to be as still as I can. I mean, you work on the off season and you work your whole life just to prepare yourself for those moments, so you don't have to think about it when it comes. So, um, you know, I mean, I just try to stay present, see what the read the situation, see the kind of shot I can get, see the kind of situation the defense is going to give me, and then you just kind of make the play, man. There's not there's not a lot of thinking involved when you think. I feel like you kind of block your flow, so I just try to attack it, stay in the moment, and um, make a play. So you have to stay in the moment because there's 13 seconds to go and Tom Abercrombie steals the ball and puts it in the bucket. So 10 seconds left, coach calls a timeout. Can you can you talk us through what happens the next 30 to 40 seconds? Yeah, so Sam got the ball stolen and we inbounded it quick, but the clock didn't start. So the rest had to take about you know 10 to 20 seconds to kind of figure out how much time was going to be left on the clock. But, um, you know, not much was going on at that time, man. We, everybody was pretty calm, cool, and collective. Um, we knew the situation. We knew what we had to do to win the game. And, you know, you just try to give yourself the best opportunity to go out there and knock down a shot and win the game. I mean, it's been a battle for us all year, as you know it. Um, so, you know, it wasn't just that shot, you know, that went in. It was just everything leading up to that moment to give itself the chance to you know, go and win a game on the road. So, man, it, it felt good. Um, it felt amazing. But we know we're right back to it tomorrow. So, coach doesn't call the play. Is that up to you to say, I want the ball in my hands, I'm taking this shot? No, we didn't. I don't even know if we had a timeout, to be honest. Um, it, when the shot, when the clock doesn't start, you don't get a timeout. So, uh, we would just run a, run a high ball screen and make a play. Usually that's what coach says. He trusts us in those situations to make the read. And obviously, if he called a timeout, that would have been fine as well and come up with a play. But he trusted us out there on the court to make the play. And uh, you just got to go ahead and give yourself the best chance to make that read. Tyler, you, you guys have been, you know, you've been struggling all season in terms of finding and, and, and securing wins. But, you know, we've seen Brisbane get blown out at different stages. But you guys have been really competitive. You've been really gritty. You've been playing hard. You've been well supported. How have you been able to, to keep the group uh, I guess the morale of the group up. How have you been able to consistently play hard when the wins haven't been coming for you? Yeah, I mean, first off, credit to Coach for just keeping us. He really does keep us present, man, and, and focusing on the next game and what we have to do to set ourselves up to win these games. But it's the guys we have on this team. You know, nobody in our team is sulking or feeling bad for themselves. I mean, sometimes life throws you crazy situations, sports throws you crazy situations, but... 
it's how you come out of those situations that that's the real that's the thing about it the journey is not always going to be simple it's not going to always be straightforward so you have to take the ups with the downs um you just got to keep moving forward man that's that's been our motto that's been our message and the coaches the staff everybody's done a great job of preaching that to us is there a player in the group that when times are tough that sort of uh, is the spiritual leader, I guess, that uh, keeps the group up and about, a bit of a prankster or someone that in the locker room that keeps morale high? You know, man, everybody on our team really has a high morale. I'm not just saying that to say that. We, uh, we have great guys on this team. And, you know, it's easy, you know, to just throw in the towel and just say, you know, not our year. That would be the easy route. But nobody on this team has done that, man. I mean, it's when everything's going well, you're winning games. It's so easy to show up to practice. It's easy to watch film. It's easy to, you know, get those extra reps in. But how about when things go bad? How does that change anything? And nobody on our team has changed. Nobody has folded. Um, we're just trying to attack each day, man, and to set ourselves up to hopefully have success. Uh, talk to us about Sam Froling, a young uh, big man who who's really emerged this season and taken on more of a leadership role in terms of the way you guys are playing. You like to play through him. He's only 22 years of age, but certainly when we're talking about you know the, the future of the boomers and, and the big men, he's got to be in the conversation. So just talk to us about what you've seen from Sam Froling in terms of his growth as a player. Yeah, from my first year here to now, man, it's been, uh, let's just see, exponential growth in him. You know, not only as a player, but as a person. He's so mature for his age. You forget that he's 22. Um, you know, that's my guy, man. We have such a good connection out there on the court. And to see his success, and, you know, teams are, you know, really planning for him now, throwing double teams at him. And he's been just so aggressive and so poised out there on the court, making plays. And, you know, stepping into that leadership role at such a young age is tough too, man. But he's handled it with such grace. And, uh, man, that's my guy for life regardless of, you know, on the same team, not on the same team. Like, that is my guy forever. And I'm sure we'll have that relationship, that, you know, as long as I can think. Uh, what does it look like for you? I'm not sure of your contractual situation, but you've been with the Hawks, um, you know, for a little while now. You've played some incredibly good basketball for the team. Uh, is there? Are you sort of really keen on staying long term with the Hawks? Do you? Would you love to look around Australia and 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 get opportunities in the NBL, or you know, you're looking further afield? What does it look like for you? Um, you know, in your sort of short to mid future. Oh, man, I always try to just, uh, you know, I try not to think about that. I feel like you can kind of get mixed up in the in the sports world when you try to start planning for the future. So uh, you can't predict it. I mean, I've been in, I've been a pro basketball player nine years now, and to be honest, I haven't been able to predict any year where I'm going to be or anything, <laughs> man. So, um, you know, I do have one more year left on the contract. Um, and then when the time comes, man, you talk about it. Um, but for right now, I'm trying to finish out this year strong. And then once this year finishes, then you go into next year, man, and hopefully um, – work our way towards the championship. So that's how I approach it. How do you feel uh, how strongly the league is going? I mean, it's we hear a lot about how possibly the, the second best league in the world. How strong do you think the NBL is? It's, uh, man, it's, it's growing so fast. I mean, I get hit-ups every day on people asking, you know, how is this league? How, how are the, you know, how is it out there? How do you like it? The players are trying to come out here. It's a tough league to get into, but um, it's getting a lot of buzz around the world, which is so good to see, man. I feel like Australian basketball deserves that. There's so much talent up here, and, you know, they have ESPN deals, and, you know, that brings exposure to, to us players, to everybody in this league. So, um, man, from my first year till now, um, wow, the, the league has grown so much in over that three years, so I can't even imagine the next three years, put it like that. 
Indeed. Uh, Tyler Harvey, thanks so much for your time. Last night was an incredible moment, and I imagine it's not going to be the only game winner you hit for the Illawarra Hawks or wherever it is that you're playing. We thank you for your time, and good luck for the upcoming game against Brisbane tomorrow night and the rest of the season. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Beautiful work. There's Tyler Harvey from the Illawarra Hawks. Probably, uh, likely, the play of the season in the NBL when it comes to game-winning shots. We're going to get to a break because there's some big, big, big news when it comes to our Olympic hero, Peter Bowl, and uh, we want to get to that on the other side. So quick break, uh, and we'll get to the Peter Bowl news right on the other side. Oh, boy. Some uh, some disappointing uh, news is emerging, and of course, there's a lot to play out in these uh, types of situations, but... This is uh, how it is as it stands. Australia's Olympic hero Peter Boll has failed a drug test. Athletics Australia have confirmed that the 800-metre national record holder has returned a positive A sample to performance-enhancing drug EPO and is now awaiting the results of the B sample. Peter Boll, who's 28, he's protesting his innocence and tested positive in an out-of-competition test believed to be while staying with family in WA before Christmas. He's provided his mobile phone and laptop to investigators with his Melbourne-based coach, coach, Justin Rinaldi, and agent James Templeton has also offered to do the same. Bowl was uh, a favourite to be awarded Young Australian of the Year next Thursday, but, of course, this uh, drugs situation is likely to impact on that selection. As I said, there's a lot to uh, play out still. He had won West Australia's Young Australian of the Year for his work as a coach, mentor, keynote speaker, and his philanthropic uh, philanthropic efforts as well. So um, uh, not great news, uh, Adam Cooney. As I said, there's still always you know, a bit to play out, and this stuff takes a bit of time, and you don't want to jump to any conclusions. But clearly, uh, not great news. No, it's terrible news. And I, I just was reading up quickly during the ad break about EPO and uh, I did read that it can only be administered by injection. Right. So if you take it orally, so if someone um, if he took it inadmittedly uh, in his, someone put it in his food or something like that, then mm. it actually has no effect. It just gets uh, washed away. So uh, you have to take it um, by via injection and it's basically blood doping it's a chemical yes. messenger yep. that tells your body and bone marrow to produce more blood so um not great yeah, news obviously not good news at all and uh, typically again don't want to s- sort of speculate or jump to conclusions but well, uh, having can, can't we? having uh having done dozens and dozens and dozens we've probably done a hundred odd tests between us drug tests typically uh you know when you when you do return a positive a sample the b is just a foregone conclusion that uh it's going to be positive as well. So it uh, doesn't look like great news for Peter Boll. And, um, of course, you know he had done great things at the 2020 Olympics. He was first in his semi-final with a PB of 144.11. He then competed in the final where he ran fourth and only missed out on the bronze medal by uh, 0.53 of a second. So, um, yeah, not, uh, not great news for Peter Boll. Of course, he uh, ran second at the in the 800 at the Commonwealth Games as well. So he's done great things in terms of what we've seen from him on the track, but uh, this is not good news. And, uh, you know, if I guess if proven or if 
uh, confirmed uh, will be a massive, massive issue for him moving forward with his career because uh, Asada and the uh, Awada and those types, they are uh, ruthless and unforgiving. Yeah, they are. and um, As they should be. It is, yeah, it's basically impossible to, to get out of A ban once you've tested positive uh, yeah, A and also B sample. So let's hope that the B sample comes up negative mm. and there was an anomaly in the A sample because it's at least a four-year ban. Yeah, not good news. And we'll uh, follow that story with interest. Uh, we'll change tack. Rob's jumped on the line from Concord. He wants to talk about uh, his man, Novak Djokovic. Uh, good afternoon, Rob. How are you? We are super. Um, the reason I love Djokovic is um, he exposes how funny Australian crowds are. <laughs> him, him standing there complaining that players are having a go, uh, fans are having a go at him, like he lasts three seconds on any soccer field or football field. Mm. So to me, the, the guy's just got to wake up to himself, surely. And the umpire, he, he should have pulled his head in as well and said, well, mate, you know, as long as they're not doing it during the point, suck it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I, I can't really get my head around. I don't know what you think, Coons. Thanks for your call, Rob. A fantastic one at that. I can't get my head around the, the golfers and the tennis players needing the silence and the quiet please and don't talk whilst we're hitting the ball. I can't get my head around that. It just seems like nonsense. I mean, if for, for players who are that, uh, that skilled and that, you know, driven and... And that discipline, how they can't put up with that sort of stuff is, it just uh, it bewilders me, to be honest. <laughs> well, but you hear every tennis player being interviewed on court after a game that's just had a win. And the first thing they do is thank the crowd because they say, thanks for getting behind me. I couldn't have won this match without you. Conversely, it's when they're at the losing end, that's when they have a problem with it. So, you, I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too, surely. If the, You want the crowd to be loud when you're winning, but you want them to be silent when you're mm. trying to concentrate and if you're maybe getting done or getting frustrated. Yeah, it's uh, it seems a little bit strange, but anyway, that's just the way it goes. And um, oh, I just think they should be able to... Uh, you look a little silly. When you're that good, and Djokovic was sort of limping around at different stages last night, uh, he, he looked out of it at one stage... And then he goes on and wins the last two sets, 6-2, six, 6 love, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just sometimes hard to get your head around what's happening on a tennis court. Speaking of uh, the tennis, there's plenty happening. Again, as I said, on the women's side of the draw, uh, Coco Goff is leading her match 6-3-3-1. So the number seven seed looks like she will advance, uh, providing things continue on. And then uh, the number one seed, Iga Swiatek uh, with a silent end. She's up five love against her Spanish opponent in the first set. So she has certainly uh, jumped out to a great start. Jessica Pagula uh, uh, won her match six love, six two. So uh, a few of the uh, uh, top uh, females doing their thing, absolutely dominating. Just looking for some um, some of the men's games. Sitsipas's match uh, is finished as well, six two seven six six three. So. He's done the job there. And, of course, some big games tonight. Uh, quarter against Medvedev, which is going to be a big contest in the first test for the Russian uh, tonight. That's on Rod Laver Arena at about 8.15. But who knows? It might start at 10.30 like they did uh, last night. So um, that's uh, what's happening at Melbourne Park right here, right now. Adam Cooney, the BBL, the Strikers have made a terrible start. They are four for 23 Ooh. against the Scorchers. And uh, that is not a good start 
as they just uh, hit a boundary. So four for 27, the strikers uh, in the early BBL game against the Scorchers. Uh, quick break. We are approaching five o'clock. And the good news, Adam Cooney, we've got an hour to go. Uh, welcome back to the run home. Four minutes past five. We're taking you right through to 6 p.m. on this fine Friday evening. Our next guest is uh, a uh, young man we had in the studio when I was uh, doing the show with Andy Marr before Christmas, and uh, we just spoke to him about his desire to keep playing and keep competing at the AFL level. Well, that desire has uh, has come true, and that wish has come true today officially with Liam Stocker being uh, selected by the Saints. So Liam's AFL career will continue, which is a great uh, thing for he and for Saints fans. And Liam's been good enough to jump on the line and join us. And uh, Liam, uh, congratulations and good afternoon. <laughs> thanks, JJ. Um, thanks for having me, boys. Nah, it's uh, it's been a super day. How, how do you feel? We, um, As I said, we spoke before Christmas and you were sort of, you know, uh, I guess hesitantly confident that you'd eventually get to this uh, place and get to this space. But how do you feel now that it's official? Um, oh, I'm pretty proud of the hard work. Um, it's probably important to, to take a second and, and just realise what I've been able to do in, in a short space of time with the Saints. But um, oh, the, the overarching feeling is just gratefulness for the people who believed in me and particularly to the Saints who, um, who have taken the punt on me as well. So talk us through... Um, the the back end of season 2022, did, did you feel uh, at any stage that the writing was on the wall, that you, you may be delisted? And then from the moment that you were told that you were no longer on Carlton's list, just talk us through that period to, to getting where you were today. Um, oh, to be honest, I didn't really see it coming. Um, now, that could have been me being blind to, to the writing on the wall too. Um, I played the last couple of games uh, for the Blues, um, when we lost those famous one-pointers to uh, to the D's and to Collingwood, and finished off my season pretty well with BFL finals, um, and had had a pretty in- injury-interrupted um, year to date. But um, I guess you know when you when you have a year like that at AFL level, which I didn't think was up to standard, to be honest. Um, you know, you put yourself in that position and. And the club made the decision that they had to. So um, I don't really harbour any animosity there or anything like that. But um, it did mean that when I came out of the system for those two or three months, I had to evaluate whether I'd be willing to put myself through it again. And um, it was a pretty... Like, I didn't think like that for very long, to be honest. It was more um, getting used to the fact that I might never be an AFL player again and... Um, that's kind of where the motivation came from. Um, I spent a week up in Queensland figuring out whether I really wanted to keep playing and um, it became pretty apparent to me pretty quickly that um, I really did. Talk us through what it looked like with you at the Saints. Of course, you were invited to come and train and you spent some time training uh, with the guys and then eventually you know, selected or, or, or it was made official uh, this morning. But just talk to us about what it's like going in and you're effectively trying out. Uh, you don't necessarily know a lot of people there, but just talk us through what it's been like for you to get to this point with the Saints. Yeah. Um, to be honest, going in, it's pretty terrifying. Um, it's similar, I guess, to going into a new workplace, except, you know, the pressure of the AFL environment is very different. And um, I guess I took some comfort in the fact that, you know, the Blues are a really big club and uh, I'd, been privy to some of those pressures in the years gone by but um, 
the biggest problem I saw going in was that I had to earn the respect of the new playing group, and um, that's kind of what I set out to do. I was I was pretty definite in that I wanted to be pretty quiet and just put my head down and earn my respect slowly but surely. And um, to the boys' credit and to the coaching staff's credit, like I felt as close as I possibly could have felt at that time to being part of the playing list as well. Um, I was made to feel really welcome and, and there's no doubt in my mind that that made it a hell of a lot easier to fit in with the boys. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the most important thing for me was, you know, you set a standard and you stick to it consistently and that's what that's what buys you, um, buys you kudos with the rest of the boys. You've also got to impress, impress the, the cockroach, uh, the great Ross Lyon. Uh, what did you do to try and get under his nose? And did he say anything to you when you walked in the club about the best way to try and get on the list? Um, oh, yeah, I, I think Ross had a pretty good... <clears throat> pardon me. Ross had a pretty good grasp of my football and um, he'd seen me play a few times, particularly from the boxes as the media representative. Um I guess the the real conversation we had was going into the Christmas break. Um, Ross had some pretty stern words with me and just said, this is your make or break here, so you come back in good nick and, um, you know, the rest will fall into place. But if you don't, then, then you're basically giving up on your dream. And I think for Ross, that was testing my appetite for football. I think um, some guys can, can want to be back for the wrong reasons and whether that's the money or the environment they crave or whatever else. Um, I guess overall for Ross, he just wanted to see that I had the appetite and um, hopefully that's what I've proven to him so far. Doesn't sound like Ross, uh, Coons. <laughs> What's he like as a coach in your first month or so? He seems intimidating from the outside. Is that what he's like uh, as a new kid coming in? Um, I think, well, personally I can see why he's intimidating, but... For me, and I, I haven't really spoken to the rest of the boys about it, but I I have so much respect for Ross Lyon. Um, his knowledge of the game and particularly his knowledge of my game was what impressed me. But more than anything, um, the loyalty he factors in between player and coach um, has been incredible for me. Uh, he didn't owe me any of that when I first came to the club, but he was... He was really simple with me and really honest, and I, I appreciated it a lot. And that's kind of his mantra. Um, he protects us players, and we play for him. And I, I think that's why he's had so much success at AFL level. But overall, as a head coach, he, he knows his stuff. Um, his game plan's really honest, and he was very clear with us about that when we all first got in. So I think... Um, you know, sometimes he doesn't get the rub of the green outside of the football club, but inside he's incredibly well respected, and um, yeah, he earns it. Liam, let's uh, get down to business. Where do you fit in with this group? Um, there's a couple of you know really uh, solid, medium-sized uh, defenders. Cal Wilkie's a very, very fine player. Uh, Hunter Clark, of course, was was uh, held to his contract. Uh, so where where do you think your best footy is? Do you think you can still play that that sort of medium sized defender where you can play tall or small and provide a bit of rebound? Where you look to change things up? What 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 does it look like for you? Uh, a small shift so far. Um, I'm probably not playing as deep anymore, and um, sort of more of a rebounder off the half back line with um, Jack Sinclair and Desire Wanganee Malera. Um, I've really enjoyed the role. Um, to be honest, having an injury-free preseason means that my running capacity is back where it should be, and um, I've really enjoyed the freedom that comes with that. 
Um, I've done a little bit of time inside and a little bit of time on the wing in match sim, but I think that's where where I'll start off and, and hopefully things can progress from there. So we've uh, seen Nasir Wanganine Miller up the ground further. He played a, a little bit on the wing in his infancy at, at the Saints, so he's been doing a bit more work off half-back. I think um, he's pretty electric. Um, he's, his ball skills are fantastic, so just kind of trying to get the ball in his hands more often than not, obviously with Hilly moving up to a wing. Um, but yeah, I think the other thing that Ross has been quite big on is everyone's got a role to play, but you've got to be able to play dual roles. And um, I think we'll see a bit of that in the early part of the season. So it's hard to get a read on the Saints as a club from a outsider's perspective. We think that they could possibly make the eight. They could be around the mark. It's a, it's a bit of a tough one with the Saints. Where do you see their list at um, going into 2023 with Ross the boss on board? Um, oh, well, I guess that's the great weapon now. Um, nobody really knows. And coming into the early part of the season, other clubs have to figure out our game plan. Um, I think we'll keep it pretty hush-hush until we really have to show people what we're made of because it's a competitive advantage right now. Um, I think a lot of us are really clear on, on what's expected of us. And to be honest, that's what a good game plan is. Um, I think it'll be a little bit different to, to how the Saints played last year, but um, it'll it'll really impress St Kilda supporters um, from, from what I've seen so far. You don't have to worry about it just yet, but it should be in the back of your mind uh, throughout your career, uh, Liam, otherwise you'll end up sitting here talking nonsense like Adam and I. Uh, but did you start to think about life after footy and what it might look like with, with your an AFL career in the rearview mirror? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I've um, I've always been pretty transparent with that and um, pretty prepared to, to have a plan B ready to go. Um, so I would have, you know, kicked off on uni this year and um, kept up my work with Beyond Blue. Uh, and basically just tried to, to kill uni off as fast as possible and get into the workplace. Just a little one before we let you go. Uh, a couple of injured uh, players, one your superstar in Max King and also Jack Hayes injuring his foot last week. Just a, a quick update on how they're going. Um, um, he's just come out of the sling. Um, he's running pretty well, obviously. A shoulder injury means that you just get flogged the whole time. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Maxie's going along really well. Um, obviously, really flat for Hazy. Um, he's had a pretty tough 12 months. So, um, wishing him all the best with his, uh, his recovery. I-, I think we'll see him back into the club next week. Yeah, well said, uh, Liam. And well done on uh, officially getting yourself uh, on the St Kilda list. Hopefully, uh, it is onward and upward for you and the Saints uh, this season and moving forward. So, congrats on what you've done thus far and good luck with the Saints uh, this season. Oh, thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. There's Liam Stocker, the uh, newly official St Kilda Saint. And if you want to join the Saints as they march into their 150th year, then just visit saintsmembership.com.au today. Um, now, Peter Bolt, we uh, mentioned the news uh, about 10 or so minutes ago that uh, he's, he has had a positive A sample uh, return for EPO, the drug EPO, and is awaiting the results of the B sample. And uh, Peter Boll has tweeted. Now, this is lengthy, and I'm going to read it. Uh, but just, read it uh, We've got bear time. Bear with me. We do have time. Uh, it is, this is, so this is on uh, Peter Boll's uh, Twitter account. It is critically important to convey with the strongest conviction that I am innocent and have not taken this substance as I am accused. 
I ask that everyone in Australia believe me and let the process play out. When I found out last week that the A sample from a urine test taken on October 11 had tested positive for synthetic EPO, I was in total shock. To be clear, I have never in my life purchased, researched, possessed, administered or used synthetic EPO or any other prohibited substance. I voluntarily turned over my laptop, iPad and phone to Sport Integrity Australia to prove this. I requested the analysis of my B sample, which will take place in February. Given the subjective nature of interpretive, interpreting this kind of test, I have asked that the lab perform a secondary confirmation. Above all, I remain hopeful that the process will exonerate me. My career, hopes and dreams are literally hanging in the balance over these next few weeks, and I ask everyone to respect my privacy as I remain provisionally suspended. Wow. So that is a uh, strong um, uh, forthright rebuttal, if you can call it that, or, or statement at least from Peter Boll on the back of the news that he has tested positive uh, for EPO. So uh, as I said, or as we said, there's a lot to play out here and um, we won't jump to conclusions, but typically when a, a positive A uh, test comes out, a positive B test is uh, not far behind it. So uh, not great news for Peter Boll and fans of, which we all are on the back of uh, what he's accomplished in the past 18 months, Adam Cooney. Well, let's hope and pray that uh, after... That's the first time I've heard that statement, which seemed pretty forthright, that he, he's 100% certain uh, and denying ever using uh, EPO, administering or, or even researching anything like that. So, I mean, that's um, it's certainly as far away from an admission of guilt as you can get. So let's hope that the B sample um, comes back negative and uh, it's just an anomaly in the test because uh, that's as strong as you can be in your denial in taking yeah. an illicit substance. So, it, yeah. yeah, it certainly I'm, is. I'm inclined to believe him at his word. Yep, well, uh, you're a good man. You're a good man, and uh, hopefully things work out for Peter Boll. But uh, he has got a battle on his hands. Uh, it is 18 minutes past five. Let's go to this. It most certainly is 25 minutes past five at the end of the week. Fun Friday, of course. Uh, Adam Cooney. Um, yes, Josh know, Jenkins. Did you ever? How many or how long did you spend within a leadership group in your time? Uh, well, I was uh, involved, introduced, um, asked to leave, kicked out. I've had Everything. it all. I've I've been in. I've been out. I've had one foot in. I've had one foot out. <laughs> uh, I was a vice captain at one stage. Rocket wanted me. Uh, wanted to make me the skipper. Oh. Um, after Brad Johnson, I think it was, retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was probably a smart decision in going with Matty Boyd. Uh, I think he's a bit more serious uh, than me. And um, he had a few ripping pre-match speeches as well that he just completely butchered about halfway through and, and lost his way. And everyone just cracks up laughing. And then that's the end of that, trying to pump everyone up. So um, I have spent a lot of time in leadership groups. We've had eight in leadership groups. We've had four, we've had five. I think the perfect number is maybe a skipper, two vice captains, maybe someone else. Any more than four, and you just sit there and you rehash things yeah. and everyone's got to sit there and they've got to say something, feel like you've got to have an opinion. And meetings run for about uh, two hours longer than they need to in the leadership group. Indeed they do. Indeed they do. We're going to speak to uh, Adam Peacock, our man. I knew he wouldn't leave us in the lurch. He's going to speak to us at He's about on. 
about 25 minutes to six. So in about 10 minutes or so, it's busy down there. So we'll uh, we'll give him a bit of leeway. But we're definitely going to speak to Adam Peacock shortly about what's happening at the Australian Open. But there are a lot of vacancies or TBCs when it comes to AFL club skippers. There are. So at the I've moment, just found out at the are. moment, uh, at the moment, Adelaide. <laughs> moment. At the moment, right here, right now, Adelaide is a TBC with Rory Sloan. That's has not been confirmed that he'll be the captain this year. He's coming off a an ACL, so there's one that's up in the air. Collingwood, we know Scott Pendlebury has uh, has handed in the role there. Essendon, there's no uh, certainty that Dawson Heppel will be the skipper this year. I think it's probably expected that he won't be. Uh, Geelong, of course, Joel Selwood's retired. GWS, now uh, Coniglio was the captain last year, but there's a new coach in town. So with a new sheriff comes a new uh, deputy sheriff. Uh, the And the <laughs> Hawks, the Hawks need a skipper as well because big boy Ben McAvoy has moved on. So uh, I... It's 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 interesting. It's not late, and these clubs will certainly be internally sort of hash, re, uh, you know throwing this up in the air, having internal votes. But um, can we work through each club that has a vacancy? Let's say that the TBCs are. Let's say the TBCs are. You know, Heppel's not going to do it, and Caniglia is going to move on. Can we find a new skipper for these teams? Okay. Well, right. would you like to go in alphabetical order and start with the Adelaide Crows? Probably uh, as good as any way to start. Well, I think the the natural progression should be Tom Duday uh, because he is super courageous. He can marshal the troops back yep. there. It uh, doesn't do a lot wrong. Um, whether or not you want a, a defender who's going to be busy uh, with, trying to take out a key forward as mm. your skipper, that, probably the only concern with that. But I think Ben Keyes would be a really good leader. I've spoken to him numerous occasions um on SEN, and he's just got a great level head, speaks really well, and you need that. That's a, it's a key feature of being a captain at a club now. It's not just um, rallying the troops on game day. You have to be able to speak to corporates, sponsors, media. Um, so he'd be a good fit and plays footy the right way too. So I think those two would be the main candidates there. You got a left fielder for me? No, I think Duday's the obvious one. I think Rory Sloan would be pretty desperate to hang on to it if I'm, if I'm having a guess. Um, oh, I just think I think he'll feel like he's got some unfinished business. He'd love to probably hand the reins over with the club in a better position in terms of you know maybe a game or two outside of the finals or maybe even sneaking in and making a final. I think Rory Sloan and I know him quite well. Obviously, uh, I think mm-hmm. he might uh, might be keen to hang on to it. Um, but I think Duday's Duday's the obvious one. Rory Led's not. He's one of those guys who shuns the leadership roles uh, per se. Keys, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how um, whether there'll be some young midfielders that might go past Keys, and then you know he's a midfielder or bust. So um, not sure if he would be the way to go. I think Duday's the obvious one for the Crows. Um, yep. Uh, Collingwood now. It's hard to uh, follow in the footsteps of Scott Penelbury, but someone's going to have to do it. We've got you know Chris Maynard. Uh, Taylor Adams is a strong leader at that club. Jeremy Howe as well, but he's sort of north of 30. So uh, where would you go there? I'm sniffing co-captains here. I think 
I think Taylor Adams and Braden Maynard are the are the main two that stick out for me. Mm. Um, and you talk about how the, playing the game the right way. Um, Taylor Adams is aggressive. He's stepped over the line a few times, but I think he's matured in the way that he plays and the way that he speaks as well. Braden Maynard's a bit of a hothead too, but I, I think they're, they're two guys that Collingwood look to uh, when you want to play the game physically, and they do that, and they provide that. Um, how polished they are in the media. I think Taylor Adams has certainly improved in that area. Brayton Maynard haven't heard a lot of, but I think he's really well respected within the group. I think Jeremy Howe's probably past that point now where he wants to be the captain. So co-captains for me, Maynard and Adams, um, just to share the load. Um, it's a you know it's a pretty big club, Collingwood. So um, they supporters, corporates, um, clients, all that sort of thing would mm-hmm. want to get their hands on the skipper and want to talk to the captain a lot so splitting that jewel works for me which adds to the uh the the magnitude of the job that scott penabry did for so long uh i would imagine crisp might be the way to go there i know uh he's not necessarily seen and heard from a lot but he's very very highly rated from those who have been within the four walls of of the footy club. Uh, I think they've got a few options there and some that aren't necessarily super obvious are the Bombers. Uh, Where do we go here? We go... Where do we go here? Uh, There's no... There's no natural fit Mm. to be the skipper. Unfortunately, Uh, someone has to do it, Adam, so we're going to have to find someone. Well, I think Dyson would probably be keen to do it again, whether or not the club want him to do it and just concentrate... On his footy at the back end of his career, Zach Merritt is a an unbelievably diligent professional yep. player who ticks every box. There's a butt and, coming, uh, but he's probably too quiet. Yeah, and well, look, when when he says something, people sit up and they take mm. notice. But I'm not I'm not sure he's got that other side of him. Um, if if you need to. And I think that's maybe he could balance it out with with a player and go with the, the co-captaincy again. I'm not sure Andy McGrath is the right fit to be the skipper because um, in terms of on-field, I'd just like to see him start to dominate games before worrying about being a leader. He hasn't hit the level that certainly um, he would have liked and that Essendon supporters um, would have liked either. So I, I think he needs to concentrate on his footy, footy first, become a star, before you start taking over is there the leadership a, responsibilities. Maybe Jordan Ridley could yeah, be the one. Yeah, he's one. Yeah, he seems like a do-day type who, who could do it. Is is Would Sam Draper be a sleeper or not? He's a, he's a player that everyone loves. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm thinking does, he, in the, in does the, he need the burden, the burden yeah. of being the captain? He seems a free spirit to me. Well, te- I'm thinking in the Tex Walker vein. He was... He, he was he was a he's a free spirit, and um, Phil Walsh saw something in him. I, I don't know. I just I'm with you. I none of the guys who are I guess thrown up as candidates. And again, we are we you know we are we are making assessments from way way back in the pack um, mm-hmm. on these guys. What about uh, Redman off half back? Had a great season in terms of his performance. Has he got leadership qualities that you know of? Uh, he's a great person uh, and was a great teammate. Got along with him really well. Um, but uh, look, I only know him from when he was sort of eighteen or nine, okay. and was a pretty like laid back um, dude. Uh, they had a minor fracas with Jake Stringer today. That, mm, so he's yeah, uh, got a little bit angry there. But yes, um, and uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be appointing uh, Mason as the captain. I think again, he's his game went to another level 
last year. He was um, really consistent, but right. Super. Not, a, not, but just got to concentrate on on doing it two, three, four, five years in a row before you start to take on these leadership responsibilities. Uh, the Cats... No one, no one's going to captain Essendon. Okay, uh, no one. We're just uh, going to uh, send um, the mascot out to flip the coin. Uh, the Cats. Now this is a really tough <laughs> set of shoes to fill because Joel Selwood's up there with the greatest captains that have ever uh, played the game and captained, and that's his record I'm speaking about, not necessarily uh, opinion. You've got Mark Blitzarves, you've got Tom Stewart, you've got Patrick Dangerfield, but all those three, I, bel- I think Stewie is north of 30 as well. So uh, the obvious candidates are, are sort of on the, on the other side of 30 as well, but where would you land here? 85% of their list is north of 30. So... Mm. Well, you know better than me. I think the obvious one is Paddy Dangerfield. I think it's a it's an easy transition, smooth transition. Everyone respects him, speaks well, does everything right. Uh, easy easy decision for me. Uh, I would go um, I would go Danger and Tom Stewart together. I would give uh, I would have those two workers co captains. I think Danger's the um, Danger's the sort of Monday to Friday uh, rallier and has fun and those types of things. And Stewie's the these days, the game day, you know, performer, just get it done. One of the best um, defenders in the competition. So I'd go co-captains, but um, either way, it's going to be uh, a big task to fill the shoes of Joel Selwood. And the Giants, of course, we're, we're not we're not riding uh, Caniglio off. And uh, I think at his best, he's a great player and leader. But the rumours have been around, the, the noise about Toby Green. Would you slot him in as skipper or not? If he wants it. I think the decision would be up to Toby if... The, the, if he said to the Giants, look, Stevens uh, just wants to get back to getting um, the footy 30, 35 times a game and getting back to that consistent level that saw him get that bumper contract, well, I, I think if, if Toby went to the club and said, I'm ready to do it, that it's an easy decision. Uh, we know what happens on the field with him at times, but take the good with the bad with Toby. I think he's the natural leader. He's the guy that um, gets them going. He's the X factor on field, and that's enough for me. Uh, and last one, uh, the Hawks. Ben McAvoy uh, steps away to uh, go and do a bit of farming. Uh, James Sicily, Dill Moore, Blake Hardwick, um, Sicily the obvious. Well, they're saying that he's the the natural progression. So uh, there's not a lot of other um, candidates that jump out off the page. Luke Bruce wouldn't want to be a captain at this stage of his career. And um, Dylan Moore s- still, you know... Um, Learning his craft, as they say, working into the midfield. So Sicily's it for me. Okay, there you go. You heard it here first. Adam Kearney finds a uh, new skipper for every team who needs one. Uh, the uh, the click boys and girls can uh, clip that up and send that to the clubs and they can uh, save even bothering to have a vote. <laughs> uh, uh, normally, we'd probably uh, skip off to a little break before we get to our man, Adam Peacock, but not here, not today, not under our watch. Uh Adam Peacock has been just grinding away at Melbourne Park. He's been up all hours of the night doing his thing, and he's been good enough to join us three times in three days. We'll give him two days off, and we'll get him back on Monday. But, uh, Adam, uh, good afternoon. What's happening down there at uh, Melbourne Park? Well, there's some tennis uh, oh, wow. being played right now, which is groundbreaking news. Um, <laughs> See, no, that's just, why we uh, get him on. He delivers the gold straight <laughs> up. He's up. We had no idea what was happening down there. <laughs> Felix Orgiali, I see him. You distracted me because he's got match point here uh, in his third round match, but we'll get to that in a moment. But what I will say is last night was so late that even the kebab shots were <laughs> closed <laughs> by the time we got to them um, last night. I, I didn't stay for the whole lot. I got out of here about two. Um, there was still two Coward. hours away from completion. <laughs> you 
coward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I like woke up this morning and just praying on the phone. You flip it over, flip it on. You go, oh, yeah. please tell yeah. me Kokonakis got, got through that somehow. And, oh, the poor guy. The poor guy. He's, he's just, yeah, mortified. He was out here earlier today. Andy Murray was out here by midday. I mean, oh, seriously. I don't know what he's going through, but um, he's obviously backed up okay. But uh, momentous evening, morning. Um, we could do without it, but uh, that's the way it goes in tennis sometimes. Uh, serious, serious question here. I'm interested. Which statement to you is it rings truer? Uh, we were all we were all basically robbed of a classic thanks to the start time of the match, or or uh, what happened overnight and when it happened is all part of the theatre of Grand Slam tennis. Which which of those two statements is is more accurate in in your mind? I'll go to the later one uh, because it's a six-hour match. Now, mm. scheduling matches is not an easy task, but wherever you put a six-hour match, <laughs> it's going to take a fair bit of the day's play. Mm. So, look, it, it wasn't ideal. It could have been worse. I mean, Zverev only went four sets. If that went to a fifth, it would have been pushed back further. But, look, they got on at quarter past ten. The Nasi Kokonakis had a chance at the end of the third set, and it could have been done at 12.30. That's perfect it's night's tennis. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it became something else, and, and Andy Murray wouldn't go away um, again and again and again. So, look, unfortunate, not ideal for tennis, but we're, like, we're, the old, only alternative I can see is if you have the day session, which at the moment is three matches, and the night session two. You go day session, two matches, so it definitely doesn't bump into the night session mm. because you've got two ticketed, events happening so you have to get the day crew out night crew in in terms of tickets mm. so if you don't finish till 6.30 you can't get play started until about quarter past 20 past 7 if it goes past 7 the day session well then you're right into the night so the only way you could really lighten it off a bit is to go 2 and 2 but apart from that I mean I don't know what else much you can do apart from yeah, you, you can't give the night session one match because it could be over in 30 minutes if someone rolls an ankle. So yeah, then, the, and then, then the, the crowd feels ripped off. So it's yeah. a tough one. Then people will complain that there's not enough tennis at night. With this world, yeah. you cannot get it right. Well, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But let's talk about the old boy, Andy Murray. Well, um, the, yeah. it's, it's nothing short of incredible what he's done. And he's going to be sore. He's going to be tired. You mentioned he's back out at, at midday today, which he probably should be still in bed. Uh, how is he going to continue on, and how far can he go now? I, I, he's in pretty good physical nick. So provided he gets the amount of sleep that he needs and they schedule him the right way, like <laughs> they could really play around with him and put him on at 11 o'clock tomorrow, but the, the, they're not going to do that. I'll have a look, actually, if the schedule is out. It is uh, for tomorrow, and they've put Andy Murray on at, at 9.30 a.m. <laughs> he's got the 6am tea time down at uh, yeah, no he, he's 7 o'clock tomorrow night the problem for Andy Murray is he's playing Roberto Bautista who will make every rally a 47 shot rally so that's going to be his issue um, but the, the good news is they've looked after him with the schedule I, I think he'll be okay he won't be in prime condition but yeah, he's in pretty good nick. He's had a good preseason, and for a guy with a metal hip, and we're still saying that for a guy with a metal <laughs> hip, he's going okay. Uh, talk to us about the Joker. We saw, I guess, all all everything that you can possibly get with Novak Djokovic. We saw 
the hamstring. He looked gone. He looked great. He was complaining. He was doing this. He was doing that. And then I got home from from um, from a commitment at about ten thirty, and my wife said, "Well, he's he's gone." And then he goes and wins sets four and five in in six two six love. So. Uh, what 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 what's got? Is there something going on with him? Is this all part of him sort of building that me against the world? What what is Novak Djokovic doing? And are you seeing the best version of him? No, we're not. We're seeing something close, but he is injured. He's got a problem. He I I don't think it's a tear or a pull. I can't see how you can do what he can do. Yeah, yeah. With a hammy tear or a hammy pull, but I've got a feeling it's something tendon related in there because he, he says every time he takes an anti-inflammatory it kind of dies down and he can get through it so yeah he's he's got an issue he's absolutely got an issue he's not 100% so that opens things up hugely for the rest of the field because I reckon if he's 100% he just wins mm. but it's, he's not there at the moment so it's a, it's a huge layer of intrigue for the tournament so if you had your last pineapple it's not going on Novak to win it where's no. it going no, it's staying Daniel? in my pocket to buy a kebab. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know about Medvedev. He's he's good. Can ask you every he's day. Great at the moment. Yeah, you can. Sure, you can do it. Um, oh, yeah, Medvedev probably sits a pass. He's he's playing good. He got on and off real quick today. He's playing free. He's got Mark Filipousas in his corner. So he's got that local element covered. He's he's eventually got to break through for a Grand Slam. Eventually. The great Greek. Geez, a yep. big unit as well. I chatted to him about an hour ago. He is 6'4 and wouldn't look out of place. I won't say at centre-half forward for an AFL team because he's a worldly type. I would say he wouldn't look out of place playing striker for the Socceroos. Oh. If we could claim him, but we can't. So Mark, Mark Vadupa type yes. down there. He's uh, a big I unit. Want, I want to talk to you about Alex Dimonor and mm-hmm. uh, what a phenomenal performance that was against Herria. Manorino, As talk us about talk to us about it. As it he... was good. It was a bloody it was a bloody good match for three three hours because Manorino just started coming up with trick shot and you know just flamboyance. He he hit one shot with the other side of his racket. He flipped it around the last minute and hit it with the other side just to show off. That's mm. Ridiculous. Nice. Um, but he ran out of puff and Demon didn't run out of puff and Demon who said after the match that he only had one day off. Uh, in his pre-season, he finished the Davis Cup, uh, flew to Monaco after that. That was the day off, the travel day, and then he was in the gym the next day to prepare for 2023. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty harsh kind of reality for these tennis players to get themselves in the shape that they need to. But the training blockers work. You saw it with your own eyes last night that as Manorino ran out of gas... Uh, Demonor kind of got powered up again. So it serves him well. Um, tomorrow they put him on Rod Laver Arena during the day, which is good because it's quick conditions, and I think that'll suit Demon. He's playing Benjamin Bonzi of, um, of France, who's inside the top 50, quality player. So it yeah, could be a tight one for, for Demon, but I reckon, he's, um, I reckon he's got a bit of a hope. Funny thing about that, listening to the, the two Australians left, um, uh, the hopes in the in the singles men's Alex Demonor and, and Alexi Popperin talk about how hard they actually worked in the off season. Obviously, I identified that their game. Oh, well, Alex Demonor had a had a pretty good year last year, but Alexi Popperin didn't identify that he just he's, has to put his head down and 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 work his ass off. And both of those players had extremely uh, solid off seasons, and we're reaping the rewards of it early. Well, it's it's the same in anything. If you give yourself a base. And you guys know um, in, in your chosen craft or former chosen crafts and, and any sport, if you do not get your preparation right in the lead up to 
what you want to do over a long period of time. You are always playing catch-up. And Popperin, you can see, he's, he didn't blink yesterday against Taylor Fritz. He, he was absolutely fine physically throughout that, and that gives him the chance to be as sharp as possible in the big moments. And away he goes. Yeah, Popperin changed his, his coaching setup last year. He's now with Xavier Melise, who was a talented player who everyone says on tour was so good. He came through the Federer generation about the same time as Federer did. And he was as, well, I wouldn't say as talented as Federer with a racket, but not far off. But physically, he, he never really reached his potential because, you know, he probably self-admitted that he didn't put in the work. Now, Alexi, he is. He just needs a couple of little things sprinkled on top to, to really go forward, and we're seeing it this week. Uh, what are you seeing on the uh, on the uh, ladies' side of things, Adam? We've seen Jess Begula just stroll through 6-love, six 6-2 six today. Uh, we've also seen Ostapenko cruise through. We saw Suyantek 6-love, six 6-1, six if you don't mind. Coco Goff, in the end, got it done, 6-3, six 6-2. Six we've got a really interesting clash tonight. Madison's, Madison Keys against the former world number one, Victoria, as a ranker. That'll be a good game. And uh, Sakari, the number six seed as well. So how are you seeing the, the, the women's side of the draw uh, unfold? Uh, Iga Shrantek, I think she dropped just one game today. Yeah, one game. Uh, she went nuts. So, yeah, she's going to be difficult. Um, she plays uh, Elena Rybakina next, who's the Wimbledon champion, who has... If she doesn't have the best serve on tour, it's very, very close. So that's going to be a tricky one in the fourth round for her. Coco Goff was good today as well. Um, Jessica Pagula, who uh, I don't know if, how much are you guys into your NFL. Yes, we've... Oh, uh, she rich. Deep. She is rich. She's rich. Yeah. Yeah. So she's riding the Buffalo Bills wave as well as riding her own wave here at the, <laughs> the tennis. Um, but the good news is for her that the, the Super Bowl now is mid-February. So whatever she does here, even if she plays the last match, she'll get home in plenty of time to be able to watch the, the Super Bowl. So I, I get the feeling that it, the winner comes out of... Oh, I'd, I'd say go as far to say Goff Schwerntek are the, my two faves at the moment. Um, Jabir went out last night on Jabir, which is a yes, shame because yeah. she's so good to watch. She was my tip for the tournament. To, just didn't have it here, unfortunately, this time around. But uh, um, And there's a young uh, Czech player, Furitova. She Did you just crack a tinny? <laughs> what? <coughs> uh, Adam Kearney, cough. guilty. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. I mean, you shouldn't have to put up with this lack of professionalism, but this is what I deal with. It's Monday after to five Friday. on a Friday, after close of business. It's this is OT water, for us. It? It's soda yeah. water, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Mount Franklin. Yeah. As you um, were. Linda, I mentioned the 17 year old Czech. She can play. She will be winning Grand Slams one day. No, don't know if it's going to be here, but she's outstanding. But at the moment, I think uh, Schwantek deserves to be favourite. Uh, Adam, uh, on that note, uh, Kearns wants to ask you another question, but I'm going to let you go because, I mean, mm. that's just nonsense what he's uh, dishing well, up He's doing you. a shotgun, isn't he? A, he man, <laughs> a man of your... A man of your uh, actually, we've been having... Just a soda water. We've been answer. having a message come through uh, each day we've had you on talking about kebabs. If you're not keen on kebabs, <laughs> we've actually had someone uh, let us know that Hollywood Pizza is right by Melbourne Park, and if yeah. you use the code Adam and Josh, uh, you get 5% off. Oh, 5%. <laughs> wow. Hey, hey, hey. Well, it, all, uh, it all adds up. and we know I've got to pay my mortgage off quicker. Thanks ex- to that. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, Adam Peacock, thanks for joining us. Uh, three days in a row. Well we'll on. give you a couple off. And, uh, Superstar. We'll, we'll probably chase you up again Monday. You have a day off or two as well, gents. Thanks. Good work. There's Adam Peacock, uh, one of the best in the business. You can hear him across SEN Sydney, Code Sports, and commentating the tennis, the Australian Open for Channel 9. He's a star. Uh, Adam Cooney, you, you are not.
Why? <laughs> that was just wrong. Oh, you haven't had another one. Yeah, we had two that in was a row. Sound, sound effect. Seriously. That was. Someone's been silly Fantastic. Uh, on, on, on the pots and pans back there. Uh, good. There's a, this is a good question about the, the scheduling. Uh, Wimbledon don't play night games, so how do they get it all? How do they punch through it? Well, I think they have they, rest they days. Start. They have days in, in sort of loo that I think they have days in loo that uh, that uh, they account for rain and those types of things. Or yeah, and I, I think that because the the grass um, surface is a touch slower, the games don't go for as long. I, what? <laughs> He's just what? dead set making. St- oh, that's right, <laughs> is it? Oh, that's actually right. Check the maths. Mm. Quick oh, maths. Jeez. Okay. Oh, talk about the uh, tennis uh, tennis head. How um, long have we got to go in? Uh, a few minutes to go. Just hang tough. Uh, hang tough. Uh, nah, the, I don't think I'll get the, through this. <laughs> hang tough, JT. <laughs> I, the, I, shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have said after five that uh, I wanted this whole hour, basically, for us to just talk some topics. We oh. had no, what I said I want one ad break in the last hour. Everyone listened, and we... Now, we should that's have what had we've got. Uh, the, for the last few minutes. Uh, tell you what, the strikers oof, all out for ninety-two. Uh, oh boy, that's no good. So Perth are going to chase ninety-two. They'll need ninety-three to win. You'd imagine they'll get it. Uh, no worries in the world. So that's not a good start. And of course, the second game tonight. Just the uh, it's just eluded me. The second game is Brisbane and Hobart. Uh, so that'll be a uh, a good clash later on this evening. A big double header in the NBL as well. So uh, she's all happening on the sporting front. What does your uh, weekend look like, Coons? Uh, I, I I hesitate to ask, but what does your <laughs> weekend look like? Same as usual, just a weekend of absolute debauchery. Um, <laughs> ship the kids off to, to Nana's and just get loose for a few days. No, no, I'm. Um, I was going to go to the caravan uh, camping show, which is on down at Geelong oh my tomorrow. Well, I've got to get a couple of new things. Oh, you do um, too. For, for the van. And a <laughs> new car. Ca- caravan to sell and a, and a car as well to get rid of. So, um, yeah, there's a little bit sitting sitting around at the moment doing nothing. And then I've got a romantic night away tomorrow with the lovely Hayley Murray. Well, uh, that's a nice segue. Well, because ooh, that's a nice segue, <laughs> a little romantic getaway, because uh, I guess on a uh, similar note, uh, Andy Murray got, uh, the races? got a little bit humorous last night. Have a listen. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable that I managed to, to turn that round. Tanasi was playing, I mean, serving unbelievable, hitting his forehand huge, and I don't know how I managed to, to get through it. I did, I did start playing better as the match went on. Um, and yeah, I have a big heart. <laughs> well, Andy, if I may say, you have big everything, I think. I'm not sure my wife would agree. Um, <laughs> you know when you say something and you're like, oh, oh I shouldn't have said that. You're just like, oh, that's naughty. Too far through it and you're like, oh, God, I'm just going to have to game with it. I've just told the world I'm not packing heat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. I don't think it's a good idea for you and I to go through for the uh, the last half hour next week because um, – uh, you go from loose to just completely uh, off the rails. Uh, after Classic cocktail. <laughs> Friday. I'm not not used to working this late. Well, guess what? You've only got a uh, what are we, you got a minute to go. So just what uh, are you doing then this weekend? Um, what am I doing? Well, I'm I'm actually back in here all day tomorrow for uh, for track I've track got, uh, racing tomorrow, and then Sunday off. My my uh, twinnies, my twins turned two on Monday, so we're going to the Have aquarium. You- 
You haven't seen him for 12 months, so it'll be good to catch up Which with him. Which would be uh, just unbelievable stuff to go to the aquarium. Like Tom Brady. He'll just do anything to not <laughs> hang out with your children. They, uh, they don't miss you, the aquarium. So um, if anyone's listening from uh, Sea Loft, the aquarium, uh, would love a uh, little <laughs> discount in the tickets because they do not miss you. Lucky but, you're on plenty. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's about a wrap for us. Just a quick A-League update. Thanks to Werribee Izuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. Melbourne City are now four points clear on top of the table. They play Brisbane Raw away tomorrow night. Also playing on Saturday are the victory away to the Perth Glory and Western United. No, Western United are not. Just victory and the glory. Werribee Izuzu Ute. Upgrade your Ute. Into D-Max now, they are paying top dollar for trading. Adam Kearney, well done. You can go and, uh, I'd say, crack a can, but you've already done it. So, uh, on your bike, son. Great way to finish, JJ. We're out. See you Monday. Ooh.